Welcome to episode 72 of the Becoming Human podcast. In this episode, I speak with Nolan Kipling. Nolan is a welder, public speaker, writer, craftsman, and he's had a harrowing descent into darkness in which he pulled himself into the light. In the face of childhood trauma, Nolan took to alcohol to quench his suffering. Nolan hit rock bottom and by tooth and nail rose to the powerful, positive man that he is today. It is people like Nolan who push me further into the light, especially in the hardest of times. I started hosting the Becoming Human podcast because I was profoundly lost and entrenched in darkness. I whittled away my youth by getting as high as I possibly could. When that resulted in overdosing and being ostracized in school and eventually expelled, I realized that there was little to no benefit to excelling at this lifestyle. Looking elsewhere, I turned to women in fatherhood. At age 11, I lost my virginity, thinking that it would somehow fulfill the emptiness that lurked inside. When my insecurities exploded that relationship, I had blamed it on her without looking inward. With rising hormones and impulsivity, and thinking that I should push the envelope further and prove myself, at 13, I became a stepdad and moved into my new girlfriend's house. After that relationship ended, I was descending further into darkness. Four years later, my son was born, and I was getting married to a raging alcoholic. I thought I could save her. I thought I could, if I could help her with her troubles and show her the person that she could become, that I would feel better, that I could prove my worth. Almost as if I were playing God. This only pushed me further into darkness. After many years of suffering, I hit my rock bottom. And currently, I've pulled myself out of the dark and into the light within the span of three and a half years. Meeting Nolan Kipling is like meeting an alternative narrative to mine. Seeing someone create their experience with positivity and the awareness of their likelihood of descending back into that darkness. It's a testament to our potential and capabilities. It's a testament to my potential and my capabilities. In this conversation, you'll see how Nolan takes all of his experiences on his own back. He bears his burdens without pushing it onto others, without ignoring it, without using other things to distract him. It's taken me a long time to figure that out and to find my resolve, and I'm still trying to come to grips with it. If any of you that are listening to this episode are or have been entrenched in darkness, this one's for you. Without any further ado, here's Nolan Kipling. Scrape to get by. 
but reach for stars Sleep in our houses but live at the bar Hate the pain but love the scars Oh, this life is hard but this life is hard Alright everybody, so this is my pal Nolan Kipling How's it going? <laughs> so Nolan, what do you do for work? I am a welder fabricator at Janicky Logging and mm. Construction, technically. Have you always been interested in welding or construction? I, uh, yeah, you know, I started welding when I was 13, about 13 years old. Wait, yeah. 13 years old? What? Yeah, yeah. What there's, were you welding? There's a, uh, <laughs> there's a low auto sales here in Woolley that it's owned by my friends. So as a kid, I always, I needed to have my, own original thing you know so i i wanted to build my own bicycle what and so i took all my uh i, I took a lot of my mom's supplies i guess her <laughs> broom and her pitchfork and a whole lot of coat hangers did you ask or did you just no, no oh yeah no i definitely just took them so <laughs> then you know i ended up just scrapping everything and building sweet bikes so we have i mean we had you know how as a kid you get a trampoline and over years of time and abuse, they fall apart. Mm-hmm. Instead of just taking it to the dump, oh, I had raked out bicycles, just stretched forks. You know, Whoa. these things were like 12 feet long, just cruising. Handle, your handlebars, big old ape hangers, you're about <laughs> three, four feet, you know. That's and I was just the, I was the chopper kid, and I just cruised on the highway. Semi-trucks would be taking selfies or photos of you almost hitting little cars as they take corners, you know. <laughs> Police chiefs pulling you over for pictures. It was, it was interesting. I've wow. always had that kind of presence in the community. And did you, were you like, cur- how did you know how to put together these bikes? Was it intuitive? Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know what I was doing. I just kind of look at what I have, and then just kind of, oh, this little trigger thing makes this stick, you know? <laughs> so then you just kind of figure it out and cut here, cut there. Wow. I didn't know anything about fitting either, so I just had big holes and. <laughs> You know, we've had certified welders come into work, and they just, they don't know how to weld a gap. And it's like, let me see that thing, you know. it's a, I grew up welding trampoline forks, you know. So Whoa. it was interesting to me. That's really cool, especially that experience that isn't so, like, uh, it's outside of perfect or ideal, right? And yeah. you learn how to do unique techniques to uh, to get your results. Exactly. And I think, I think that's kind of what you need to do to fully understand something. If you're going to be good at something, you got to understand it. So, have you always had a relaxed relationship with failure? With failure? Uh, I'm a very competitive man. <laughs> I uh, I appreciate the lessons in failure. Well, I guess that's a, a long-term developing thing. Because it took me a long time to appreciate the full effect of failure and what you can get from it. Like, how much success you can actually develop from failure. But back in the day, I would... I would I beat myself up quite a bit in the day of sports. And uh, if you could pin it down to a moment, what was like one of the defining moment in which you had that kind of realization where failure would help you in success? Uh, honestly, mm-hmm. okay, it's, okay, uh, interesting. Yeah, so honestly, the biggest aspect of failure that I've dealt with in my life was something that just haunted me essentially because I guess in my life you know I mean kind of talk about addiction and all that kind of stuff you know I used to be an alcoholic and it's it broke down to I mean without telling the whole story it's kind of hard to sum this up in a nutshell but it's kind of a in my life my life got so depressed and down and bad 
all of a sudden one day you find yourself you are such a failure you can't even kill yourself right mm -hmm. it's like i mean you try you try i mean i tried three times couldn't do it like i just couldn't it's not that i couldn't pull the trigger because i tried and stuff like that it's like i pulled the wrong trigger to the wrong barrel kind of thing Ooh. and it's like in that kind of like people don't understand like how crazy that is to actually just say in this second i'm gonna die like right like a lot of people don't really think about that and they, they everybody tries to be, uh be skeptics of suicide like you know their family member dies and stuff like that and they say you know they don't care about the family but that's the biggest torment you know just because that's the one mm -hmm. thing keeping you alive is the family Ooh. and stuff like that so it's like you have this dark depression inside of you that's saying you know like i don't deserve to die but for some reason these people love me and then it's like you know, and you just go through that. And so, and that stuff is what beats you down. But at the same time, it's a, once you try it and then you don't do it, I mean, that will really mess you up because then it's kind of like you're either going to succeed the next time or you are going to figure out something that works. So it's kind of a, I, I don't know. I guess just after so many times, I, it, the thought, uh, why, why? am I alive? Like, it's not even like a, why do I keep failing anymore? It's just like a, why maybe I just need to change my perspective a little bit and say, uh, why am I alive? Like, what does that mean? What is my purpose? And then you start sitting there trying to ponder it. And that's kind of where my life kind of just started to really blossom is because it's kind of like a, what the heck am I doing? Kind of thing. What tools did you use from that point to find your purpose? To find my purpose. This is interesting because a lot of people, so I've, <laughs> man, I could ramble so much right now. Okay, so. Oh, we got all night. <laughs> basically, basically, um, when I was a kid, I remember, okay, so I get a little backstory, mm -hmm. little backstory. Uh, in a nutshell, okay, so in a nutshell, one day I was, I grew up, let's see, First, second grade, probably about second or third grade. That's when I started being in the newspaper, right, for uh, writing stories, for writing in literature wow. and, and art, and then sports to come after. I've always been a very uh, go-get'em kid. I've always mm -hmm. been a star in the mm -hmm. spotlight. Intellectual I, I, I pursuits and creative pursuits and physical pursuits. Yeah, yeah. Spectrum. I was in the Elena program when I was uh, was that third grade, which is uh, extracurricular. Uh, advanced students, uh, they we learned French. Oh, so we oh, we learned cool. French and uh, all about the culture and stuff like that. And uh, it was really interesting. So all these good programs. I mean, young authors, um, you know, advanced students in literature. They'd be sent off to some convention thing with uh, mm -hmm. great writers, and you could go share your stories and get awards and all that. And it was really uh, it was really cool. Mm. And uh, Get the setup as a kid, and that's oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, you know, it was cool. I mean, and it's back so then, cool. we got to ride our bikes everywhere. So, oh, wow, so you had good know. opportunities, ability to be able to explore danger and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we, yeah, we're constantly down at the river fishing and all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff, but it's, uh, you know, it, it gets, so basically, you know, it, the whole point of that was, uh, I had a good life, right? Mm -hmm. I was smart, I had, by the time I was in high school, I was dating the prom queen. I uh, and I had colleges sending me letters about football and all that kind of stuff. And I just remember, so this is kind of where everything changed. I had a good life. I had fun. And one day, just one single day after football practice, I was driving. 
uh, to go get gas. And I was just going to go home right after. Like, it was just an easy day. You know, high school is fun. Go to practice. Not a care in the world. And the, so when I pull up to the gas station, I see this guy, right? He's a, he was a family friend growing up when we were kids. And like, I mean, he was, he was the mayor's grandson at mm -hmm. the time. So, and they were my neighbors. And we had a great relationship. He was kind of like an older brother. And I, so when I pulled up into the gas station, I, uh, I looked at him. I was like, oh, my gosh, that's so-and-so. And, uh, I looked at him and said, Hey, Hey, how's it going, man? You know, just kind of jokingly and having fun and stuff. And it's like, wow. And then like just the look in his eyes, right? Like he just looked at me like this, uh, why are you talking to me right now? Kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And it's like, just that, just brushed me off, you know? And it's like, maybe he didn't recognize me and maybe blah, 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 this. And then it's like, I made it down Ferry Street, like almost the Township Street. And, uh, it was just like, just a wave of suppressed memories, you know, mm -hmm. just, uh, just all this stuff that that guy did to me oh, as a kid, you know, and it was just like this, uh, hit to the chest and it was kind of a, oh my gosh, like I've never in my life felt rage like that. Whoa. And it's, it's like on it, like I went home, I grabbed my shotgun and I drove back down to that gas station. He was gone. Mm -hmm. And I guess, uh, essentially the rent the next, that was 17 years old. So I guess the next uh, six or seven years, I pretty much just did everything I could to destroy his life or mine. Mm -hmm. Whoa, that's and that's wild. Yeah, and that I can relate to that because, like, when I was a child, I would wrestle against my the traumas of when I was really young, right? Like, less younger than ten. And a lot of dark shit happened, whether it was, like, divorce with my family, right? Um, taking on the the male role in the household, which is weird as a really, really young kid. Yeah. Um, and then also some, some sexual abuse things that had happened, right? Um, but from there, I, I overdosed, and I was a stepdad when I was, like, 13. And it was just, like, like clashing at this and trying to, just in the grips of, of trauma and darkness and not being able to see outside of my own um, immediate condition, right? Yeah. Not being able to realize that my impulse, my impulsive desire to establish a family at an age of uh, 12 to 15, for instance, um, like relentless as if it were a sport, um, wasn't me caught up in darkness. It was me doing the thing that I should be doing. Yeah. You know, but now in hindsight, I look back and it's like, yikes. So when you were spending all that time, um, wrecking his life and your own, right? What was the moments that made you realize the path you're going down? Uh, see when, when I say wrecking his life, mm -hmm. um, I never got the opportunity. Oh shit. See that? I mean, I mean, it's a good thing. Yeah. Obviously, like it's like if I would have seen him. So basically, okay. So this is how. This is what's interesting to me about uh, what people are taught and what people learn, right? And this is why kind of like Jordan Peterson fascinates me so much. Is because it's because him and I, like when I like I've listened to so many of him just so many hours of just him talking, right? Mm -hmm. And then now reading books and stuff like that. But it's him and I, like, we relate so many different ways. And what fascinates me is I didn't go to school. You know, I, you know, I went straight out of high school. I went down to California, worked in a refinery, came back, and that kind of thing, and just 
went from there. Mm-hmm. Labor. But job. it's like so. It, it's interesting to me uh, trying to figure out how and what I learned through my experiences that brought him and I to the same page mm-hmm. on so many different levels. And it's like, you know, some things could be completely irrelevant, but it's a, uh, it's interesting to me. So. Uh, go ahead and ask your question because I'll, I'll get back. I was going to say, in the uh, in the face of that, right, in the face of this complete darkness, where someone does harm to you in whatever form that they do, um, how do you not commit to redemption? How do you how do you change your own self as opposed to trying to wreak havoc on the external world for what happened? Because I did. I mean, I did wreak havoc. I. You know, I can't even, I honestly can't tell you how many times I've been to jail. Mm-hmm. Nothing for anything serious, mostly alcohol related. Just a kid. I well, once got arrested for, uh, I, it was like one in the morning, right? And I had an 18 pack in my lap and I was trying to ride a wheelchair down the biggest <laughs> hill in town. <laughs> and like the, there was an old, older chief there and then there was a rookie and the chief was like, Man, I would have let you ride down that thing if he didn't have a stick up his ass, <laughs> something like that. And he's like, you know, rookie. It's like that kind of thing is is interesting, but it goes from it, could, and that's kind of the difference. Yeah, like I said, about learning and just discovering how to love essentially. Because when I describe the love in the way that I walk through life, is I describe not learning how to love by books or studies, but I've learned how to love by having a cruel world stripping out of me. Mm-hmm. And it was left to myself to be the teacher, essentially. And that's and that means just analyzing everything about yourself, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, I mean, being so in tune with yourself to where you can... It, it's almost like you have a spider web and you see uh, anger up there in the top right corner. Mm-hmm. And then down in the bottom right, you have... Uh, something kind of vibrating or something like mm-hmm. that and it kind of draws you to it mm. it's kind of it's, i mean basically that kind of thing and that just it takes practice to of constant introspective look you know uh exploring mm-hmm. so essentially you it sounds like what you're describing is, is that the eastern idea of non-clinging um to to your emotions or to your thoughts right where or as they say in the West, to be mindful or the observer. We're able to create some form of separateness. They call this also space in between thoughts. I always thought, I didn't really understand what that meant. I thought it was just like the world stops, right? Mm-hmm. Or nothing's going on in there. I didn't realize that there, the space between thoughts is, oh, that guy cut me off. I'm angry. And instead of being reactive in, well, I'm angry means rev up, flip them off. means, oh, I'm angry. And you're spending time recognizing you're angry. Yeah. Not performing the actions immediately. Pretty much. I mean, that's pr- that's pretty much what everything is, really. It's just, I mean, we're we're all taught habits from something, mm-hmm. and it's like all these people. I mean, that's how that's how people get better, and that's how people get worse. Is just by things happening and their responses, and they don't correct those responses. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's. I mean. You walk up to somebody every day and you say, you know, get out of the way. You know, you idiot, get out of the way, you idiot, get out of the mm-hmm. way, you idiot. You know, all of a sudden that guy's just going to be stepping off to the side himself. Mm-hmm. You know, you wouldn't even have to say anything because that's just, as soon as you come around, oh, I'm an idiot and I need to move. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of thing. And it's, mm-hmm. I think people do that to themselves. I think it's like, you know, something happens, somebody's, 
they start telling themselves something. Mm-hmm. And it's just like me. It's just that, you know, I wouldn't be alive right now if I, if I didn't change my, uh, my questions from, or my, uh, just my thought from you're such a failure to why are you still alive? That's the part that gets me because I meet people who are at that moment to where, you know, why am I still alive? Mm-hmm. Um, and if I were to bring any of these perspectives to them, right, just as subtle notions, to be able to get them to understand that, on they have to do it on their own accord, it seems. And that that, that seems to be the, the difficult part. And that is. And that's what a lot of my analysis, my uh, social experiments just me saying whatever the heck I want to say just to see reactions mm-hmm. out of people. Uh, that's essentially what all that is, is just to be able to learn how to be the most effective person at teaching someone to think a certain way to create a better them. Wait a minute. You, so you, you, you would actually, you'd practice being open and honest with someone. Without the fear of permanent consequences. Yeah. And you would use their reactions to assess which thoughts or behaviors to cling to and which ones to abandon. And so, yeah, yeah. What much. made you want to do that? That's very clever. Uh, it's <laughs> because you have to do it to yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had to do it to myself. Everything. Was just big. I mean, it's hard to explain. I mean, we're talking, we're talking years and years and years of torment, despair, and then now the last, in October, it'll be seven years uh, since that life. Since I became happy, it's been seven years. So that all this stuff, like uh, all this stuff that I talk about, like all the sadness and stuff like that, that's seven years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's kind of a, it's interesting. It's really interesting to me because it's just, um, Seven, so seven years ago, I quit drinking. You know, I, it's, it's addiction 101 for an addict to say, you know, oh man, it's been six years. Mm-hmm. I can, I can handle a drink now, mm-hmm. right? And it, that thought alone is interesting to me too, because I mean, I do, I do, I believe that. I believe, I believe if somebody walked into rehab right now, managed to force themselves to not drink alcohol for a while, and then he got comfortable with it, and then he said. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think I can handle a drink now because it's been 125 days, you know, that kind of thing. It's like just because the book tells me, like, I, if mm-hmm. I make it past three months, I'm pretty much good. Mm-hmm. Like that, I think that's nonsense. Mm. I think I think my biggest issues was that guy in my childhood, what he did to me in my anger, because everything that I, because I, I justified, I justified, uh, horrible things. I justified mm-hmm. the idea that whether I'm, there's two paths I'm going to be. I'm either going to be dead or I'm going to be in prison. That's what my mind was like for, you know, five years or so, you know, and it's just like that. It's that constant abuse towards yourself. So me, like, what do you need? So when you really break things down, what do you need to murder somebody? Right? Mm-hmm. In, in my mind, it wasn't really murder. It was revenge. It was righting a wrong. And I would add that if anyone, like, squeams at that, and just, 
that I would like you to, the Gulag Archipelago, your experience, and it's so easy for a human being to be pushed there. Oh, well, yeah. And no one is immune to that. No, I mean, and it's, I mean, when you really, to me, it was basically cowboys and Indians, right? It's like, I mean, I've always been more of a educated caveman than anything. It's kind of a, you know, I believe there's evil in the world, and I believe there's good in the world. I choose to be good. And I do everything I can to fight against evil, whether that's mental or physical, you know. Did you think you were fighting against um, evil when when you were um, enraged, at least initially? No, nah, no. That was just a, a guy did me wrong and I wanted to wanted to set it right. And do you, but did you see that as like a, uh, at the time anyways, did you see that as a pursuit of abolishing evil? No. No, that, it was totally personal. Okay, cool. And I just ex- wanted to accept the consequences. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, to get back to that question, I mean, that's just a, you know, I never really, uh, to get back to that, it's, you you can't have love in your heart. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't. I mean, if you want to, if you want to seek revenge on somebody because he abused you like that, you're either going to, I mean, you're either going to do that in your mind, you're either going to seek your revenge and everything will be fine, or you're going to seek your revenge and you're going to face the consequences happily, mm-hmm. sit in a jail cell the rest of your life, or whatever, knowing, or, you know, or it will just destroy you. Mm-hmm. And it's, so basically, basically you start stripping yourself of, of these things, of these emotions, of the uh, neediness of love or the want for love. So it's like a lot of times you get sad. I mean, I mean, how how open can I be here? Because I mean, no, hundred percent. I'll I'll talk about some that's, stuff. That's yeah. I, mean, I I try to talk about things too, just because I don't know. I don't want anyone to disillusion themselves in the no, sense that it's like. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, just in the sense that there's like popular media at one point in time, right? Yeah. Like if you had a suicide experience and you're a best-selling author, guess what we're going to talk about? Yeah. You're a best-selling author. We're going to talk about suicide. We're yeah. going to talk about like chronic masturbation to avoid uh, doing any of your work, like. No, I think that's, yeah, all on the table. It's because, I mean, it, because it's interesting to me because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a wild guy. I mean, I just am. It's, mm-hmm. it's a, one of the things about Rotary right now that kind of, kind of gets to me a little bit is just not really gets to me, but it's, you know, we do great things. We do a lot of great things. So we, we started developing a programs to, to stop or to not stop, but just help people with addiction, uh, oh, drug cool. problems, all that kind of stuff. And because, you know, one of, one of our Rotarians, their son passed away last year I'm sorry of, an, to hear of that. an overdose. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's everywhere. It just really is everywhere. It's a human and, problem. And it, and I get it. I get it. I think, I think a lot of people when they're, when they have the ability, when they have the funds, when they have the, uh, the networking, I think putting your resources into certain places is great. But there's also that aspect that they don't understand, right? So I don't have mm-hmm. all that money. I don't have all those networking skills. I don't have all that kind of stuff. But I, what I have is an interesting perspective on addiction, suicide, mm-hmm. that kind of and, stuff. And you come from a place of, from an ex- place of experience because sometimes yeah. the people who, who have the funds, like what you're saying, I don't know if these guys are the example, but they come from a place of not knowing. Yeah. However, they have the power to do something. Yeah, and that and that's why I just, I have no problem being uh, saying the things that people don't want to hear, mm-hmm. is because everybody wants to solve the problem, right? But nobody's nobody wants to listen. Not that they don't want to listen, mm-hmm. but 
there's not too many people that will graphically talk about the mind of a person that's essentially borderline crazy if they let it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's I'm a very spiritual guy. I I love the you know, kind of, you know you were stopped by my house a little while ago mm-hmm. and uh and we were talking. I mentioned branding my face, mm. right? That's kind of interesting. Like yeah. that whole subject to me is interesting. I mean, you to like it's so like um. Oh, yeah, I almost. Like, so anyway, mm-hmm. you hear about that a lot. Same as a uh, child abuse, all this kind of stuff. You hear it, it's so common, and that that it just my failure mentality to the what am I here for mentality, right? So my life, the first two times that I tried talking about when I first tried to reach out to somebody, mm-hmm. I I was oh, I just can't do this on my own. I can't do it. And then so finally I told my girlfriend, right? I told her, and like I just, I was crying. And I was just bawling. It's like the first time I said these things. I didn't even say anything. I just said it happened. And then I was oh. just crying. And then she told me, stop crying. It's annoying. Oh. And then I was, what? It was just like, you're my, you're my gal, you know? It's like, why are you, oh. why are you doing that? It's like, you're the only thing I care about right now. And it's like, you just tell me to zip it. And then so that went on. So I kind of did, you know. And then, let's see, maybe like months later, you know, her and I broke up. Alcohol came in. Oh. I ended up, the first time I went to told, and told the police, mm-hmm. the first time I ever was forced to ever talk about it. It's like I ended up just crying again. And I was probably sat there for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. And he told me, quit wasting our time. Oh, fuck. And I walked out. And, and that's kind of where my reign of, okay, fine. I tried to do it your way. I tried to be the good man. I tried to go get help. And now you won't. And now you're telling me to zip it. Mm-hmm. And that's where I went. And so then that kind of solidified my mentality of I need to do it myself then. If I'm going to get any kind of closure, I'm going to just get my revenge that way. Oh, so it's interesting. You then submitted to casting away all of the values and principles to foregoing them. Yeah. for redemption that's and yeah. that's why i was asking if you were doing it in the name of fighting evil or in the name of fighting good yeah because at that that point i would say it'd be in the name of you foregoing good yeah well yeah for redemption yeah, yeah. Well, which i can r- relate to and that, that's the biggest thing that that i think is important for people uh because i know it's important for me yeah is that at times i do fall and when i fall i will voraciously um eviscerate goodness like mm-hmm. like sometimes i am malicious and i need to be aware of that so yeah. that i can reroute myself before i go down a you know a 10-year path which mm-hmm. i have but anyway. um uh, when you were so you forego um the goodness because you the people that you turn to from your girlfriend to the police they just they dismiss you and then now you indulge in your desire for redemption yeah damn essentially yeah and uh you know, and I mean, people think it's just people think it's just that easy. You know, you start talking about stuff, and they just, oh my gosh, you know, it's just what a twisted person, that kind of thing. But it's, I mean, it's not. I mean, you sit there and you, I mean, you try these things. It's it's a whole cluster of just everything else normal people feel. Mm-hmm. But the people that haven't gone through any kind of situation like that, it's the same kind of things that drive you to what they're doing, but you just have this constant tugging at something else trying to get you. And it's a, it, it, it takes a lot to learn how to t- change 
how you feel about certain things. And that's the, the thing that that I love to key in on is with an individual, there seems to be a series of events that causes uh, a sudden change in direction. Mm-hmm. Um, usually events. I'd like to underscore that, not people. Um, I've spent my life trying to fix people. It doesn't work too well. Um, but it, it's these events. And there there is somewhat of a pattern. Um, you couldn't really generalize, but it's it just walking into whatever your trauma is. Um, and for yours, that rock bottom, if you will, was suicide? Uh yeah, yeah, you can call it that. Suicide yeah. or suicide or just the alcohol addiction. The alcohol addiction. Cuz I mean they kind of just work hand in hand if you let if you let it get that low, yeah. Yeah, cuz at one point you forego all pleasures in order to just reach a perpetual state of numbness. Well, yeah, exactly. And and yeah, and that's kind of you know, I'll, I'll kind of bounce back and forward, but yeah, you know, fine. let's. I mean, as long as we, we'll, the way we're kind of backtracking, mm-hmm. the way it's kind of working perfectly and explaining things, but, um, yeah, pretty much, it's that. It's kind of what I was chiming into a little bit earlier. It's that. Uh, oh, how would you explain that? Just that st- stripping of yourself, right? So it's kind of a. Every, so imagine this, right? Imagine this. So when you're trying to rid yourself of love and you're trying to rid yourself of all these things that you need to do one thing, that's a negative thing. But, I mean, when, you, when I twist that into somebody else's perspective, into somebody else's world, so somebody that's not going through that kind of thing. I mean, so with me, this is my own experience. This is pretty much, imagine you go to the gym, right? Imagine you go to the gym, you're like, oh, you're kind of dreading the whole the whole first couple days because you know you're going to be sore and all that kind of stuff. So you go, you force yourself to go, and you end up getting through it. You don't do as much as you want to do, but blah, blah. You know, you end up going home, and you're like, okay, I feel good. I accomplished something. We're on our way. And then the next time, maybe the next day or the day after you go back, you're, you're sore. You, you know it's going to hurt, but you just do it anyway, right? So then you keep going at that, and you get stronger and you're stronger. Sooner or later... All of a sudden, it gets easier. And then after that, it gets to a point where it's like, man, if you miss the gym, if say you have to go to the dentist instead of the gym, you're going to be mentally or maybe maybe physically kind of achy because you're not doing what's normal, right? Mm-hmm. So for me, in order to get to the point to where I needed to be, like this is how I taught myself, right? Like I believe in consequences. I believe, I believe in, you know, if you're going to change yourself, you need to actually sit there and practice changing yourself because a lot of people have the like i want this but they don't do the how do i get there it's like everybody thinks that they understand you know uh what is it one and they understand two because one and one makes two Mm -hmm. but they need to understand the and as Mm -hmm. well you know what is that roomy yeah yeah so it's a it's interesting. So it's like nobody focuses on that and. So in order to get to where a mental state where I needed to be, every time I wanted to hug my mom, I cut myself. Mm-hmm. Every time I wanted to cry, I cut myself. Every time I wanted to be happy, I cut myself. Because I knew that I wouldn't be able to do that. And then that starts branching into, wow, I'm mad right now. So you cut yourself. Mm-hmm. And then all those things. And a lot of people do it to numb pain, but to take their mind off of pain. 
But for me, I wanted pain to become normal. Mm. So it was wow. that constant pushing yourself. My chest is just scars, mm-hmm. and it's like scars everywhere. And it's I look at them now, and I I, I feel like it's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. But I mean, a single guy at thirty <laughs> trying to date somebody. I got a massage one time, and she's like, mm-hmm. "Please tell me those are from a bear." I'm like, "Oh my gosh, girl!" <laughs> oh you know, my God, it's yeah. like, uh, you God, know, damn. it's like I don't know what to tell you. I'll yeah, just my mouth. yeah. It, exactly. And that puts you in a place too where you're like, you don't want to open up to people in that way. Oh, but I do. Yeah, I, I don't. Really you do it in mind. the face of it. Yeah. I like it. No, it's every single person I talk to, I talk to like. I'm just, I've known him forever. Mm-hmm. That's why I love walking down the street to the boardwalks, talking to homeless people. I love just talking to everybody. Like, everybody. I'll be in the grocery store, and I'll just start playing peekaboo with kids, and all <laughs> of a sudden, I'll just, you know, bounce her. It's because, I mean, when you think about it, like, everybody's so just... What I learned, one of the biggest things that I learned through everything is just stop caring what other people think. Mm. That's really what it is. I mean, when I branded my face, like, so... Basically, so now that I've talked about that, mm-hmm. about the whole, I taught myself to to get away from these emotions by cutting myself. So then basically, when I came to my peak, when I came to that, I need to do something, right? So my life was horrible. I was living in this pit of just darkness and drunken depression. Mm-hmm. And then it's just like, oh, like you, it was just the almost like, it was just that perspective of, twisting that that's when the okay now what am i alive for starts to develop mm-hmm. and then so you you're in this mentality like i am a warrior right now like it's just this beat on when i say caveman i'm beating on my chest mm-hmm. and stuff like that i literally do it and it's just that i need to pump myself up we're, we're literally in a battle right now like that's what it is a spiritual battle and you're trying to navigate yourself through life mm-hmm. it's like we're so worried about stupid things like i look at so much of the debates nowadays and it's like really it's like we could get rid of all of that and nothing would be affected but what but what would be affected is your your mind if we just change one thought Mm -hmm. like saying that i'm trying to think of examples as i'm thinking of that but it's like it's interesting. So many people get riled up, but they don't really, they're not in tune of why they're actually riled up. Yeah, if you allow, if instead of actually putting people up there to get riled up and everyone to look, because it's interesting watching people, you know, fight back and forth, because our debates aren't actual debates. Like, if you've ever been to, seen a college debate or an actual debate, mm-hmm. way different. However, it would be so much more um, valuable, interesting uh, to teach people exactly that is to somehow show people that oh look you're getting angry and you're indulging in this anger see how it hurts these people but that's the problem though nowadays is because i mean that's that's why i don't mind Mm -hmm. because everything i do i can justify everything i say i can justify everything that i can explain if i'm given enough time i can find a way to explain what i just said Mm. i offend a lot of people you know but when it comes down to it nothing none of it is hateful it's just, it's that basically strip down from nothing, rebuild yourself. You learn great tools, right? Great tools to build amazing things. You want to build more happiness? This is how you do it. You want to get rid of, get away from sadness? This is how you do it. You want to get over this thing? This is how you do it. But it, it, uh, when it comes down to it, it's just, it's, it, it's just, it's hard to, um, Man, we're getting deep here. Mm-hmm. It, it's hard to it's hard to get pe- people past that um, 
you need to say certain things to to know the problem you're trying to fix. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just every single aspect. We have such a racism problem, a sexism, a sexism problem right now. Gen, you know, all of this stuff. But a lot of the people that people are arguing with aren't saying anything bad. It's just the combination of of words that they use mm-hmm. that they aren't really supposed to say for some reason. Mm-hmm. You know. It's like, and I, I'm just not like that. It's like, I, I just can't do it. And I can, I literally have the philosophy that I can say anything mm-hmm. as long as, as long as you know, it's true in your heart. And then, because if it's true in your heart, you know how to defend it mm-hmm. and you know exactly where it's coming from. Well, right. And words are symbols, symbols yeah. that represent uh, feelings and ideas. And those symbols are not perfect. Right. Um, because you're trying to translate your experience to someone else, and they're impartial. Yeah, um, exactly. And also, a lot of it has to do, all of it actually has to do with intent. I mean, chicken can be twisted in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a, through all of that, through all of that, um, basically twisting that one perspective of the Asking a different question. That's why whenever I ramble to people, Facebook, blah, blah, or just in public, I'm just ask questions. You know, always ask questions. If something comes off negative or weird, negative or uh, with ill intent with me, it's it's because it's taken wrong. Mm-hmm. Because everything that I do is meant to build something better. It's just what I do. Like, I mean, there's... When you... When I felt so silenced and just down, basically, it took a lot for me to. It, it, I got back to writing. That's all I really did. So, like, I just stopped writing when I got into those depressions. Like, I wrote some like really weird poetry, mm-hmm. some uh, some crazy lyrics back in school. Like, one of some of the kids they'd uh, they'd have me write like weird letters and stuff, Whoa. so that they could just show the counselor, so they could get out of class. Why? Just because like my normal writings were so weird that. Oh. They would use them as like a get out of jail free card kind of thing. That's see, there's a guy who uh, you know Fight Club. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the writer for Fight Club. I was listening to him on a podcast. I think it was Joe Rogan's podcast. Um, he was talking about getting kicked out of um, uh, writers' workshops. Yeah. Because of like his story topics, and mm. they would like pull him aside and say, "You're making everyone here uncomfortable." Yeah. And it was like, but but at the same time, that that level of expression, like you watch Hostel, right? I mean, that shit's dark, mm-hmm. but someone had to meticulously imagine every moment of those and put those to paper, and yeah. there's something to be said for that, and I'm very curious as well, like, when you when you write, um, does it dispel the feelings and ideas that you have inside of you, or does it encourage them, encourage you to uh, make it reality? I think, uh, I think ideas start mm-hmm. so i mean typically my everyday is kind of so the way i write is basically i'll just be working away and all of a sudden i'll get this idea or this thought or this uh kind of revelation of holy smokes like this is kind of a key to reaching this or whatever you know mm-hmm. and and then at work you know you can't always just pull out your phone and type something or you can't just write something down all the time so you know you just kind of think about it and it's like every once in a while those kind of just fade away, but typically they'll just stick around. So the next day I'll start to think about it. I'll write the next paragraph in my head. Mm-hmm. 
So then uh, maybe the next day, I don't think about it. Maybe the next day, I don't think about it. But then four days later, holy moly, I want to write. Because like, if I don't write for quite a while, like it, it literally kind of draws me. And I'm just kind of, uh, I need to get half of my thoughts out before everything just gets chaotic. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, so I just write. And it's, it's, it's really writing on Facebook. The reason why I've been so effective at just creating more happiness, I guess, in the community is simply just my rawness. Mm. Like I, I started out, I went from the guy that didn't want to talk because in my head I was taught not to talk. And then I went to just, I wrote a couple things on Facebook, just a couple things. Was, hey, you know, awesome responses, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And just started writing, just started blossoming again. So like all that kind of back when I was a kid writing and all that stuff, all that storytelling, I love storytelling, you know, but now it's just, I use experiences via storytelling to change lives essentially mm -hmm. and that's how that started really was just Facebook mm -hmm. because I used that outlet to train myself that talking was okay oh. and so I learned through writing whatever I wanted I don't care what these people think I I don't care mm -hmm. and then so I just said it because it was a thing that I needed to do personally mm. and then people liked it uh, you know and then sometimes you know maybe you won't maybe you won't maybe some people won't like it but at the same time, it's like, okay, uh, it, it doesn't matter. But it's like, so you maybe block everybody from seeing it. I always keep them as just me seeing it, mm -hmm. like whenever it gets to that point, and then I analyze it. Mm -hmm. Somebody writes a comment, what did that mean? Or like somebody says this, what did that mean? Two people write me or call me one in the morning wanting to talk about them being depressed. That's typically how things started. Mm -hmm. Just reading something, hey, I read this. And then, you know, over time of doing that, it's, it taught a lot of people a whole lot of stuff while I was learning how to decipher my own heart. Mm. And it's just, so basically it was just me give, me giving them the tools as I was learning them and not needing them anymore. Mm -hmm. So in, did you find a lot of help articulating your experience? No. Uh, did, did, it help, <laughs> did it help you, though, to go through it by writing? Like when you're defining it onto the page or typing it out, the help from the writing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure, for sure. Like right, like right now, the way the way I articulate things. I'm. I mean, I work in a fab shop. Mm -hmm. I'm a welder. You mm -hmm. know, I've I work with a, you know, they're married guys, but you know, we're guys. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. that shop talk and stuff like that. We, mm -hmm. We're guys and stuff like that. So I mean, you go from that. And then, but when I write, things are just more poetic mm. and it's just more, things just flow. Like, mm -hmm. so, I mean, I can, I can talk fluidly and just kind of go and ramble. I love rambling. Mm -hmm. Like we can talk about Costco shopping. Oh yeah. All of a sudden, <laughs> then all of a sudden will be like this experience. I accidentally, I don't know, <laughs> shot a bird while hunting or something. Yeah. It's a story of my life. Yeah. <laughs> I swear. I can't hit that. That's too far. Oh my gosh, I killed the bird. You know, it's like, yeah. that's how I grew up. So it's kind of a, that uh, happened once, but I mean. Oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. Really? That was a true story. Actually. Damn. Yeah. That was an example. Oh my god. I felt bad. It, yeah. Wait, is that the first time that you've ever felt bad in taking life? Uh, no, I feel bad every time. Well, but I mean, like, was Even that... spiders, and I hate spiders. R yeah, I do too, and I I'm about the same way. It's like a fight. It's like, should I kill it? And it's, fuck you. No, okay, so this is my, do I kill this bee mm -hmm. mentality. So it's kind of like, I mean, it's all right. Go mm -hmm. ahead, come buzz by my face. Mm -hmm. Come on. 
That's all right. Go ahead. Okay, his wing just touched my nose. <laughs> all right, okay, you're kind of pushing a guy. And then all of a sudden it's, okay, I'm back to my business. I'm going to ignore this bee. That's what all the books and magazines tell me to do. Just ignore it. So I'm going to. But then that thing comes and lands on my hand. All right? And that's fine, too. You can kind of nuzzle them off or you can shoo them away. But it's when they just keep coming back like that. And it's like, because when you're driving or something like that, you know, that's kind of a distraction. And it's like, guy, my window's open. You can either go out or I'm going to swat you with my hat. I mean, you, you give him plenty of chances, but when it comes down to it, he asked for it. That's how I have to justify killing a bee. I love that. You sound like a girl at a strip club. <laughs> 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 yeah. If they brush my ass, it's fine, but... <laughs> yeah, I think a lot about stuff. Yeah, so that, no, that's awesome, though. I didn't... It, are you are you afraid of getting stung by bees? No. No? My whole body's covered in tattoos. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, true. From ankle to... My collarbones. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, it's interesting because now that you've said that, I've actually so I've been spending uh, increasing amounts of times, amount I've been spending an increasing amount of time in the wilderness, and with that, like when flies would land on me, mosquitoes. Like mosquitoes, a big one. Okay, if I go somewhere and it's filled with mosquitoes, I don't want to go back, <laughs> and I w or I would leave early, or yeah. it would make me go through there quicker because they bother me and it ruins the experience. Okay, well, when that happens on these trails, and I come back home, and I'm like, man, I left. I really wish I could have stayed out there longer. Mm -hmm. And then the way that I consider those mosquito bites would change, because I go out there, and be like, oh, I'm getting bit. That's worth it. And then oh, I just yeah. go, go on, and like you were saying about in terms of lifting, you, you start to adapt to you know the nuisance of getting bit. Um, so when it came to bees, right, a bee would land on me, and I would book it. Yeah. But... As I started uh, running more frequently, that would happen more frequently. Because I'm coming out through, you know, beautiful alpine meadows or whatever, bees everywhere landing on me. I mean, if I freaked out, I'd freak out every uh, couple of steps, right? Mm -hmm. And over time, I would realize that my fears were unfounded, just like with spiders, right? Uh, only 20% of, <laughs> I pulled that out of my ass, but I swear it's about 20% of all spiders are poisonous. So most of the spiders you encounter aren't really going to mess with you. Yeah. Even if they crawled on you, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, the same with bees, though. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to swat you if I know that. Now I know how to identify a wasp because they don't all look the same to me anymore. And then um, if it's a bumblebee and it's gotten into my sock, it's like, all right, buddy, we got problems yeah, now. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's time to r roll out war. I got gas chamber. I'm going to fart on you. I'm going to squish you, something mm -hmm. like that. For sure. And, yeah. So, I mean, just, I think that, you know, people tell you to laugh. People tell you to smile and just enjoy life, right? Mm -hmm. But, I mean, that goes into, like, everything. Really. Yeah. So it's just like, I mean... You can literally laugh about all that kind of stuff. It's like if you have that kind of, I think that's kind of one of the biggest, I think everybody just, they stay in this state of, of whether it's right on the top of their head or way back and behind, you know, they have this kind of fear of things happening. Mm -hmm. And it's a, and I think that kind of rules people's emotions a lot. Anxiety. Like whether they know it or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, shoot. I used to be on so many like antidepressants. Well, and, I know a lot know, of people who just. Oh, all of that stuff. Yeah. Like, the, the doctors put me on, I got panic attacks so bad where like my body was just like paralyzed. Oh. And it was just like, I couldn't move. And like, it was just, it was crazy to me. And I told the doctor, I said, Hey, no, you need to give me something. Like as soon as I feel these things going on, mm -hmm. like knock me out. And like, he basically, he gave me these antipsychotics that literally like, I mean, I was a bad alcoholic. I drank, I mean, there was points in my life where I was drinking like 
a half gallon and like an 18 pack like in a night and a half for two nights Dang. drink a lot you know and it's like my buddies my buddies you know they kept up too but after a while it became like it wasn't with my buddies anymore mm. it was just kind of it was an everyday thing just constant mm-hmm. and then uh i think man it's pretty wild i'm losing my spot right now no you're fine um so what is your relationship to alcohol now? Do you have like a pull to alcohol or a desire to drink at times? Oh yeah, see, this is where mm-hmm. I talk about circling back because mm-hmm. earlier, earlier I was saying that's what, that's what textbook addiction alcohol kind of or alcohol drugs uh, teaches you is over time you're gonna get this confidence you're gonna do this and do that and you might find yourself and that's how you get sucked back, but it's it's so much more than that and so when people this is where I think people get things wrong because they they have these it's like okay let's say uh you 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 go into treatment so everybody says uh you have to want it right like a guy has to want it and then so you start seeing these things and then it's kind of like everything else you ask a person you say why why does that guy have to want it it's like yeah i understand like i understand that he has to he has to he has to say blah you know i'm tired of this kind of thing so he has to want it for himself he can't just go to treatment but then like when it really gets broken down it's kind of like you have to ah man so like this is usually stuff i write Mm -hmm. you know it's so much easier to focus on focus on like just so much thought like there's so much contributing to these one thoughts Mm -hmm. so it's just kind of um when i think of alcohol now basically i solve the problem Mm. i solve the problem I've learned every single trigger that made me want to be an addict towards alcohol. I I really don't like that people use disease and addict as a thing. No. I I can appreciate it scientifically. I can appreciate it as like some sort of study. Mm-hmm. But I think the use of saying I have a disease is more damaging than anything. Yeah, the the mentally so, the for people. Social, uh, social and psychological use at, yeah. at, from the individual's perspective. I, I agree. In the sense that, like, I've had an issue with, uh, when I overdosed on alcohol, that was an, an addiction issue, right? That that yeah. was a uh, self-control issue in the moment, and that was my motivations for using the substance. Um, so what I'm saying is, is, leading up to it, I wasn't just continually drinking, or I wasn't continually um, taking amphetamines, right? Uh, it was just then, but I was doing drugs before. Later on, um, after after that, right, I've had addictions and relationships. Mm-hmm. Not all relationships are addictions for me, but I can tell the difference. Oh, um, yeah. The addictions with weed, right? I had to quit for four years. I smoked weed, and my son was born. I'm like, I'm going to stop because if I don't do this, I get anxiety and I get frustrated. And that's what I base my person at. I identify with marijuana. Yeah. So I quit for four years um, off of everything except cigarettes. And then I looked at cigarettes, and I'm like... I the the same thing like why am I doing I have a like a thought comes into my head where it's like it's time to take a drag like that and then to convince myself to ride that thought it's like it'll feel really good it'll you know your throat will burn like all yeah. these things that are exciting and um what do you call it there's throughout my whole life like I, I've I've seen those and I've overcome them and I've even been reintroduced to those same ones again yeah. right like I've been clean off of something, right? I haven't smoked weed for a long time, uh, four years. And then I move here, start smoking weed again. Because my whole idea was, okay, 
to rebuild myself because I don't want to be like the people around me. Um, I need to find things to do because if I smoke weed, that is keeping me from things to do. Not because of weed, but because of the relationship that I have with this thing. Yeah. This thing must be done. And once it is done, like this is the only way I can relax. This is the only way I could feel well. And once I am in a state of wellness, then I can do these things. But that was procrastination, right? Um, and I would say in a very personal way, that was that addiction was for my own result of procrastination. Um, but going back into it after those four years, I was able to smoke weed and it was like, how would I say this? It was like ice cream is now where I would smoke weed. I could smoke weed maybe, I don't know, once in a while if you offered it, oh, that's cool. Whoa, it's a crazy experience and I'm yeah. done and it's not there. Um, and then over time, right, because of just me not paying attention, I was around someone who would offer it at all times. They would smoke frequently. Um, and I started mimicking those behaviors because if they asked, I'd just say, yeah, I didn't think about it. I just like, yeah. And so at one point, flash forward to six months later, if I don't go to sleep without weed, I argue with myself. And I say, okay, you should smoke this because I bet you, you're probably not going to fall asleep, man. It's going to be hard. Just, just do it, right? And then I have this whole debate and I eventually do it. So that, my life is fine. That was an addiction. That, I then re-entered addiction um, because I was prevented from doing my daily tasks if I did not first do this unnecessary thing that I perceived as necessary. And I would torment myself emotionally. That's where the destruction comes in. Like, yeah. Um, and then, so I, I worked on that, right? I started saying, oh, okay, you just don't say yeah every time someone offers you something. If I said yeah every time someone offered me to go run, and then I'm hurt, like you said, you go to the dentist, and you're like, oh, your <laughs> body starts to ache. And then my friend's like, you want to go run? I'm hurt. But my ego, my ego's like, dude, you need to get those miles in. Mm -hmm. And then I start, I hit it back again. And that is addiction because that despite the destruction or um the negative consequences from that action i still do it i still cling to it without thinking of the the reality of it and so just to sum it all up i suppose i went back into weed and i would do two weeks on or not two weeks on i would always have to have like two days where i didn't smoke a week like that was the most that i could smoke and I didn't standardize like, okay, every time I wake up, I have coffee because that's a problem. Yeah. Because then one day if I don't have coffee, then I'm, I'm delirious and I'm having trouble functioning. Um, that would be unhealthy in some capacity. I mean, uh, so anyways, as I wrestled with that with weed and tried to change my behavior with it while still using it because I recognized that, oh, it's not the drug, it's my behavior. I am having issues. I cling really bad. Yeah. Because... Once I was done with that weed thing, right, weeks go by, and I was working at Safe Light Auto Glass, um, I drive a van around. I install windshields on cars. Yeah. So I that thing, van, takes up a lot of gas. I get gas once a day. Fill the whole thing up. Every day, I, I would eat nuts, because those are healthy. Those taste good. Mixed nuts? Yeah, mixed nuts. Yeah, That's yeah. I, I, I love them, man. Yeah. And, and so every time I would go, though, I would get them. And then sometimes... I would pass by, like, I, maybe I didn't eat gas today because I didn't have to go very far. I'd pass by a gas station, and I'd have that debate in my head again. It's yeah. like, should I stop? And you do two times five, right, five days a week, which is 10 bucks, times four, four weeks in a month, it's $40 a month on bags of nuts. Yeah. And I'm like, maybe I should stop. Yeah, I should stop. One point in time, 
but I'm not going to ever work there again. Um, <laughs> I would stop at two gas stations in a day. And I'd be like, oh, you know, let me, let me just go get this. And then I'd get nuts. I've done that with coffee at coffee stands. Um, even when I was completely fucking sober. Yeah. Nuts. Nuts aren't like, I mean, there's that there's that anticipation, right? And then you get an endorphin release. Um, I, so I guess I could be gaming my own internal fucking uh, chemicals. Yeah. But it was there. And uh, so much so that while I was going through that, my neighbor, he'd say, oh, or no, I was pulling up to, not my neighbor, I was pulling up to a job for Safe Light. And I smell, mm, smell like, uh, I think it was hickory. It smelled good. It was warm in the air, too. Yeah. And then as I, like, walk up to the vehicle and greet the customer, I, I really start to smell it. He's like, hey, I'm just smoking some uh, cashews and almonds. You want some? I'm like, yeah, I'll take those. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And he gave me, like... Oh. A, a pound of the uh, cashews and half a pound of the almonds. I finished up the job in like 45 minutes, get in the car, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to share this with one of my friends, and then I'm going to give some to my son. I eat all the cashews before I get to my next customer's house. <laughs> I eat a pound of cashews. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, the fuck's going on here, man? And I thought I dealt with this by being abstinent or by, you know, by being conscientious of my um, substance use. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, fuck, I'm still right here. And I've had that with relationships. I get in a relationship because it feels good, right? Um, and I would do it even at my own peril. Mm -hmm. Like, it doesn't matter what... It, but that's a personal thing, I mean, in some degree, because it didn't matter what I was doing. I was still playing the same game. Well, shoot, it, it makes sense to me. When, uh, when, when I branded my face, mm -hmm. said everything was done, this is it, that's my war paint, right? So that's what it was. There was that... This is so anyway. Girlfriend at the time had a miscarriage. Oh, broke up with me, moved back to Washington, and that's the moment I decided to quit drinking. Whoa. So it's like lost my house, girlfriend, and a possible baby. And then, uh, you know, life was rough. I'm an addict, you know, drunk, and a suicidal, depressed guy that really doesn't have much. So mm -hmm. that's exactly kind of what I clung to, too, because. Like I said, like before her, you know, it was kind of a prom. I dated the prom queen. I dated. I've always been an athlete. Mm -hmm. You know that typical TV movie or whatever. You know that it's kind of what it was. Just that party and fun yeah, guy. Yeah, you rolled the dice and all the. And the sixes so many were masks, up. man. Yeah. So many masks. Like people talk to me now, like they had no idea back in the day <laughs> that I lived with that stuff because I didn't even know how to express any of it. So I just shut down. Oh. And it was just like so at that point. At that point, where I, I just branded three for three suicide attempts, right? Mm -hmm. So three sides, three brandings on each side of my cheeks, from like my eyelids to down my cheek, and then three right there. Mm -hmm. Just kind of like that. It was just that I thought about my I'm an Ojibwa Indian, so mm -hmm. I thought about them when they went to battle. It's just this, the, it was the most difficult time of their life. They're either gonna fail or they're gonna thrive in life, mm -hmm. and it's like. I honestly believe, like a lot of people that get that deep in torment and despair in my life, it's, you know, not too many people just, however they, people that go through that stuff, not too many of them get a talk about it down the road. And mm -hmm. a lot of them that do survive that kind of life, they sometimes aren't able to talk about it. They just learned how to survive it. Mm, yeah. And so, and that's kind of just why I do everything I can. The, the most beneficial things that I've ever done in my life have been extremely uncomfortable. Mm. And it's just, mm -hmm. And you conquer those things. What does it look like? Uh, what does your self-talk look like or coping strategies when you're 
experiencing an extremely uncomfortable situation now. Uh, what kind of uncomfortable? What kind of uncomfortable have you recently experienced? Or the one that's most valuable and the only kind experience. the only kinds of discomfort I've really uh emotionally gone through I guess um I guess a lot of that has to do with relationships but the uh the longing for a connection I suppose or mm-hmm. else the frustrations at work mm-hmm. certain things like that because it's kind of at times it's kind of a uh when you're not allowed to be the best you can be, mm. that's when I'm kind of hardest on myself, mm. because because you're forced to go faster, you're forced to do stuff without the right tools, you're forced to do stuff without the right supplies. important. To you. And you have to improvise, and you have to. I love improvise improvisation, mm-hmm. but I mean, you have to learn how to improvise to be good at anything. I mean, you don't have to, but to truly understand something, you'll be able to do the same function with something without the right tools. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where the tools that I like to offer people is because nobody would expect branding my face Mm -hmm. to be the one thing that said that to be the happiest game changing moment in my Mm -hmm. life, because that was just a, that was that moment to where I'm getting goosebumps. It's like that was that moment where like I am going to just rise, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to be a champion in like my own little world and stuff like oh. that. And it's like everywhere I went, people just literally like didn't want to be around you mm-hmm. at all. And it's treated just like some guy that has lepers, you know? And mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting to me. And that's kind of where my, my popularity, people around me all the time went to solitude. Mm. And then so in those moments, I branded, my, branded myself girlfriend possible baby alcohol quit having sex for two years mm-hmm. so i just dropped Ooh. everything all at once because i wanted to make things hard on myself mm. i wanted to, i didn't want the easy way i wanted to suffer mm-hmm. i love the idea of suffering mm-hmm. right I, do, I don't like the pain i don't like the the hatred i don't like that torment people have to live with mm-hmm. but i love suffering for everything it offers mm. Is like, this, so would it be suffering in the sense of uh, do you would you suffer for sacrifice of an idealized future or suffering simply for the sake of suffering? Uh, a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say for the sake of suffering as in uh, I would say that would be more minimal mm-hmm. because that's that's something more that just comes into like the whole caveman aspect mm-hmm. because I'm very combative. Mm-hmm. I love it. Like, I mean, you do jujitsu mm-hmm. and stuff, and I, I grew up wrestling and fighting and boxing and just having fun, mm-hmm. having fun, or just fighting to survive or to or to get that rush. I suppose, like when everything else in life didn't matter, it's kind of like my grandpa when I was. My mom would always talk about my grandpa. And I guess you know back when he was dating and stuff like that. Like they'd go out to the drive-in movie theaters and go get some milkshakes and everything and he'd have some random guy drive up from Snohomish or Marysville or something hey are you are you Ted Bear and he's yeah hey I heard you're tough I'm gonna mm-hmm. kick your ass and like that kind of thing and it was just that you know mm-hmm. just that building that reputation and then mm-hmm. I think that's kind of what I developed in in uh schedule like not Cedar Woolley I guess and mm-hmm. surrounding you know we had our little scuffles with other mm-hmm. towns but oh wow yeah I mean we've had some We've had some rowdy times. And a lot of these people that we've had issues with, you know, we're just best friends now. 
<laughs> but it's uh it's funny how that works. You no, know, it was crazy. It was crazy. Um just the whole Woolly Burlington Mount Vernon mm-hmm. rivalry. Mm-hmm. And uh but yeah, you know, I'm veering off track here again because there's I just think of all the stories that I could tell right now of just rowdy parties and just nights of brawls. Oh shit. Yeah. Damn. We got we had like two buddies. I went to so one of our biggest rivalries was Burlington, right? Uh-huh. And uh basically there's one guy that just he didn't like me. I don't know why. It's just my reputation, you know. You mm-hmm. get you get known as kind of a tougher, crazy guy. People just they want to fight you. Mm-hmm. And then, the so this, yeah, and it's just that competition. We weren't wrestling anymore. We weren't playing football anymore. It's just also oh, no sports outlets. No, mm-hmm. no. So it's just you know that that's a, I I became too much of an alcoholic and I I got quit or I got kicked off the football team because I I skipped football. I skipped one day of practice. And I went and caught some salmon. I went and caught some fish. And I even tried to bribe my coach. I was like, hey, I'll bring you some smoked salmon. You changed your mind. And that didn't, it didn't make him any happier. Like, he just, all right, get out of here. Then I think, you know, by the time I made it out to the parking lot, some players were following me back or following me. And they're, God, coach, coach said to come back, you know, blah, 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 this. Mm-hmm. But at that point, you know, with everything else that taught me to kind of be rebellious, I just said, no, you know, mm-hmm. if you're going to, you know, if you're not gonna, if you're not gonna accept that, you know, I'm just some 18 year old, 17 year old kid, and you don't want to just let me enjoy one day, it's the first day of summer, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, this is a summer league. It's mm-hmm. like, relax. You know, let me fish. But, um, at a, it's a fun thought. Mm-hmm. This whole conversation. Yeah, absolutely, man. I've been enjoying it, Nolan. Thank it's, you. The, this is interesting. Um, when we were talking about like discomfort and stuff, right? Yeah. See, the thing that I noticed um, was whenever I would have uncomfortable thoughts, it would cause me to be to make impulsive decisions mm-hmm. um, in fear of those thoughts. Like I'm gonna be alone, or I'm not good enough. And instead of like, yeah, you might not be. <laughs> It was more like, oh, no, I don't think I'm good enough. Like, I'd run from it. I would allow those thoughts to fuel my actions <laughs> voraciously, like as if I were um, hungry, right? I I do all of these things um, that I thought were right to make those thoughts go away. Mm-hmm. But they became more powerful, and my life would only fall more to ruin. However, when, as an adult, who I am now, and I'm working on it, not very good at it, when I feel discomfort, like, I don't want to go and perform at this comedy show, or I don't want to attend this show, right? Because what if nobody there is going to like me? Or, you know, um, uh, what am I going to do there? You know, and just these thoughts that come up. Anxiety, essentially. And instead of just sitting at home, no, you just do it anyway. It's like those those are thoughts. Those those are cool. Like you're uncomfortable, Will. Mm-hmm. Just just be uncomfortable and go. And then over time, it's that resistance you're talking about. Your body you're you're anticipating your body to ache as you're coming up to the barbell, right? Yeah. And you're gonna lift. But every time you go back it goes away. And establishing those new behaviors. Um so that's where I was saying earlier about discomfort and any kind of discomfort that you wrestle with now 
um, and the coping skills. Because for me, right, when, when I'm about to go into a social situation, like even doing a podcast, like, I wonder what they're going to think about me. I don't know if I'm going to ask the right questions. Um, I don't, you know, I go, I go down in a very self-conscious rabbit hole. It's like, these things are tricking you. And that may be possible, but the act of trying will far surpass um, the results because the process is the most important. Yeah. And I remind myself of experiences that I've had or people that I've talked to who show me that my fears are unfounded. And those coping strategies have helped me so much. Like I have key people who prove my discomfort false or at the very least not as bad as I think it is. And doing that has caused me to change as opposed to be being the same clingy guy who is desperately seeking love and affection from someone to validate who they are mm-hmm. or to use something to make all of the pain and suffering go away. No, I do suffer. I am suffering. And I can also achieve fulfillment, though. And that is through discomfort. Do you have any, like... Uh, any times in your life where you you're reminded of the hardships of your past and well mm-hmm. I think you know so moving through a lot of that kind of stuff uh, you know a lot of people you got the same things do the forgive and forget kind of thing mm-hmm. it's like in theory it's a good mentality it's a good thing like I mean it's fine but it's I feel like I feel like you have to be if you're appreciating the suffering or everything you've been through or if you're trying to if you're trying to create a uh, a mechanism for fixing suffering I suppose you have to be in tune with suffering mhm right so like it's like if if you forgive and forget that's one thing because you're creating this happiness and this, uh, this world of far away from whatever that pain was. Mm -hmm. Right. But it's like with me, I'm reciting everything in my life so often and analyzing everything. Like just like just the darkest stuff. Uh, Mm -hmm. I keep that stuff close to me. Mm -hmm. It's like for a long time I did do that. I did, you know, I'm not going to talk about it or I'm not, or maybe not talk about it, but I'm not going to, you know, bring it up and just try to forget it. But it's after so long, it, it broke down to this. It, there was the first, let's say, the first year or two out of this uh, seven-year little stint of sobriety. You know, the, uh, beating my addiction. It, it it was just kind of this learning how to do it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's like learning what it took. I lived on the beach, right? <laughs> like, see that? So there's a light behind you about. Mm-hmm. I don't know, 40 yards away. And that was the ocean, like at my house. So it was like, and I fished four, five, six times a week. Oh, yeah. You know? So it's like, on rainy days, I'd go fling my pole out and run back to the house and watch my pole from Mm -hmm. the warmth of the living room. Oh, yeah, that would be awesome, (laughs) dude. What? Right? Yeah. So, I mean, it was nice. But when I quit drinking and when I quit all that stuff, when I fished, that's what I did. I drank. Uh, right yeah. so i could 
I just had to stare at that stinking beach every day. Like I can't go fishing because it'll make me want to drink. Yeah. But it, you know, and it's through all that kind of stuff. It's uh, it really. Uh, I had to from that from those points to when I moved up here. What really guided me, right? Mm-hmm. It, that kind of stuff. Once you get through the fishing and you learn how to kind of what's triggering your body what's making you want to do this, what's making you want to do that, and then you kind of get comfortable with it. And then what really got me interested is what I can do with it. And mm. that, that I believe, is what saved me, is, is, learn, is taking all of that torment and despair and just anger and depression and just the darkest of the dark and learning by just analyzing, by practicing... By thinking, by taking an hour to do nothing but think, mm. that's a key to, mm-hmm. to to correcting your behavior and getting yourself to where you want to be. Because people get the idea, but they don't ever think about how to get there. Mm-hmm. That's like, I mean, it's like everybody, like my kind of my little battle on like social media and stuff like that. It's like, I mean, you get this like this meme that goes across everybody's computer screen, and everybody has this mentality of oh this is the righteous way of being today mm-hmm. but then it's like why mm. nobody can explain to you why so mm-hmm. you have these just drones of people kind of roaming around believing all the same things changing different votes of things mm-hmm. for stuff they don't know why mm. so that's kind of like where i break down into you know kind of like we were talking about earlier you know the whole indoctrination of certain things and societies and uh, the control of people, mm-hmm. and then so when people start, when people start seeing mechanisms that the country, governments, uh, abusive boyfriends, abusive girlfriends, abusive people, manipulators, abusers, like when you start noticing patterns and you start breaking down the char- characteristics of these people, and you start finding uh, missing puzzle pieces of certain. Uh, riddles I guess that never really made sense but once you find that piece Mm -hmm. everybody kind of has those moments Mm -hmm. where it's kind of like that I'm struggling with this but I get this oh my gosh now I have this so like that and it's just that constant and that's what people are missing is that ability to connect their heart to their brain or their or their this to their that Mm -hmm. allowing themselves to figure out why or how they're doing this certain thing so it's kind of just that a lot of people say that you're trying to, you're helping people or you're, you're trying to do this or do that, but all you're really doing is trying to make, trying to teach somebody a different way of thinking, mm-hmm. and that different way of thinking creates a more positive and better self for mm-hmm. themselves. It's it's just that, I think that's I think in a nutshell everybody kind of has the same, the same goal in life. Mm-hmm. I mean every, I mean it's just really what it is, and the fact that people can't get along and just talk about it. It's just silly to me. It's a miscommunication <clears throat> thing, I think. It is. And everybody's just so caught up in their own feelings. If you say something different, it's so offensive, but it's not offensive. Mm-hmm. Like, even if I walked up to some lady and I said something like, uh, you know, are you sad right now? Mm-hmm. You know, somebody will be offended by that. There'd at least be one person offended by that. Why? Yeah. You either maybe are, or you're mad that I'm assuming, or like this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, something in me that I know has taught me that what you're showing might show similarities to a sadness or des- or uh, despair that I know, mm-hmm. and like that. And then so if it isn't, I want to know why. Mm-hmm. And if it is, 
I want to know why. And so it's this constant why, why, why that we need to understand is because what people are arguing about when I say why and they say uh, for this reason, it doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just kind of in general, right yeah. now, but it's just like it doesn't make sense. So it's like you have all these people willing to destroy their communities for things that don't make sense to me because it's not productive. I want to be productive. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you're a Republican, liberal, Democrat, mm-hmm. anything. I want the best results. I wouldn't be the man that I am right now if I wasn't after best results. Mm-hmm. It's like that's just what I built myself into. You start at the bottom and you purposely learn every single thing that you can, which people use so much of the computer for bad. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, if you want to learn something, just hop on there and Powerful. learn something. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And it's like and, – and that power draws from everything. I mean, you can learn something. You can learn how to hurt people. You can learn how to do great things. Mm-hmm. When I say good and evil, I just mean that – I don't really mean it in, in like a biblical sense or whatnot, but I, I mean it as just a, there are people out there that at the drop of a hat will sit there and do bad things to you. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people that, you know, if you really break things down, I mean, the stuff has been going on for a long time. I mean, mm-hmm. there's so many different studies on all sorts of different things. And it's, some people are nasty, mm-hmm. not for no reason, but the fact that they get pleasure from hurting people. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and that, to me, and that's where I think people get it wrong, is because I think everybody creates these safe little bubbles, and we're not allowed to ask questions, we're not allowed to do this. But what happens when something actually comes around that can actually physically mm-hmm. cause harm to you, and, and we're not allowed to say, oh, we should have stopped this, because that's something that we aren't allowed to talk about. And cause and effect is relative, yeah. in the sense of uh, internal stimulus. Like, what you do for pleasure is relative, and it can be changed. Like, yeah. if you don't think uh, riding roller coasters would be the same as choking a cat, I think not. Like, <laughs> and, and, I, I got lost. Like, you had me at the first part, and then choking a cat, that just threw me. Well, like, the, the experience of, like, the all of the rush that so just you the, get just the experience from the choking rush, a okay. cat. Yeah, yeah, well, oh, yeah. To get there, obviously, I'm just, like, thinking that in my head, and I'm squeaming. However... Yeah. Those the if you get beyond that if you get beyond all of your concept of taboos all the things that's actually holding you back from the experience, it's a rush. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean that that's a lot of serial killers. That's a lot of mm-hmm. you know rapists. Mm-hmm. You know what? All that kind of stuff. Like people get that. That's why it's happening. Mm-hmm. And it's just uh and uh you know we're getting into a society to where they you know people believe that you can just change this little law and everything will be better. Or you can take away my guns and that will change the fact that people are dying. Or that if you it's impose not. systems on people and restrictions, that restrictions are always... like that, That's that thing that you get with, with freedom, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the free, with freedom, the, there does co- come some... There's always that balance between uh, chaos and, and order. Exactly. And if there's too much order, right, then chaos will emerge. Like, just chaos is an aspect. And if you have people who... who I don't know, just are making these poor choices, right? And if if it's if I make a poor choice by being offensive to you and that is penalty by death or it's an extreme consequence, that's still not gonna change the human condition that sometimes yeah. we're assholes. Like there's another there's a different way of going about that as opposed to this legislative weird shit that's happening mm-hmm. like up in Canada where people are getting in trouble for um, the way that they the pronouns that they use and um, also the way that they just communicate purely yeah like yeah uh, yeah I, t- I totally agree I uh, those are big frustrations of mine mm-hmm. to be honest is that uh, I don't uh, you know it's kind of a that's a big 
world to kind of crack into. Oh, yeah, exactly. Well, can I pause really fast? Yeah, go ahead. Sorry about that. Man. You know, you don't really need too many specifics. Yeah. It's just, you just need to learn certain... You just need to, yeah, I mean that... Puzzle-solving skills. Mm-hmm. That's all we are. It's puzzles and patterns. It is, it is solving solving problems. You want to make yourself do something? Just figure out what puzzle or what what you need to move around here or move around there. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's just the repetition of anything is insanity. Exactly. It's, yeah. Exactly. And and that's that that thing is that's why it's never never bad to not bad. It's never a bad idea to provide yourself with more space and just like look back on everything. Yeah. And yeah. That's why, like, three years in just solitude, honestly. Mm-hmm. That's that's where I was at as well, because I think I, I think it was two or three years. I always tell everybody that I would uh, have a lot of, like, casual encounters um, during that time. And I guess i got to be clear with that, is that I haven't for most of that time. I always just said that. And I don't know why I had that impulse to say that. But I was, yeah, fully celibate for... Two and a half, two and a half years or so, no relationships. Just yeah. my son, and then when when I wasn't with my son, it was just who are you? Because I had no idea who I was. Yeah. It was just doing things and working off of impulses with yeah, no no notion of what I really wanted, um, and or what I was afraid of or what was tormenting me so much because things were, but it was as if they were just behind a behind the scenes with a sheet in front of them yeah so that they can do all the tormenting but they're faceless oh yeah and it's like then you remove the sheet and it's like aha there you are like, oh you're not so bad and then it's a puzzle now now it's a puzzle that i can sit here and just work on try to figure out until i can understand what this thing is that torments me and, and how to reflect it and use it to empower me yeah and because i think truth be told it nothing goes away like you are who you are but it's how you redirect it right right? like um a really good thing that earth that's helpful for children when they get uh angry like i I worked with early head start when my son was born uh, because i was trying to look outside instead of within my family and they would uh come in and do like a home visit every week and then they they were um, bachelors or masters in child psychology, and they would take everything that they've learned and they would work with you as a parent. They say do this for your child's development, uh, for social, emotional, and you know motor skills, all of it, um, everything. And I'd have questions. I was I was fascinated, man. Like children are so much fun. Um, but they would tell you that whenever a child would do something you don't want them to do, you redirect them. You don't tell them no. You don't, like, oppressively stamp out that behavior. You don't say, you don't hit, right? Because hitting should never be done. Take that desire to hit and just make it go away. Yeah. That doesn't work. No. It's not, because even someone who is a very good person to cope with it, coping is not extinguishing. It's merely just the redirection of whatever that aggressive energy is. And even as an adult in high-level principles, like I see that in you, and now that you mention it, I see it in myself, is I have, like, you know, the the impulse to um, 
to do something that is mind-numbing. Okay, I want to go run. Whereas at one point in time, it might be, I don't know, drugs, right? Well, yeah. Or like another one is, is I want to do something that is very challenging. Video games didn't necessarily work for me in that capacity because, I mean, I want it like challenging because video game is only so much challenging uh, to the point to where you're starting to grind. Like you play WoW or whatever yeah. and you're playing like six hours a day. That doesn't really work out. The more that I could do with that is get more clever and spend more time on it. However, with like relationships is the same thing. Like it was diverted into that where it's like I'm going to be the best boyfriend that I can be. I'm going to be the best sexual partner that I can be. Well, that inevitably led to being a father at a young age, um, being with uh, women who are just fucking buck wild because everyone else is so busy, you know, with their things. But I wanted relationships. Yeah. Um, then now as I do like jujitsu or running, or even as a, as a father, um, writing, podcasting, like I have, I'm just redirecting my obsessive. No, not as a father. My, I'm redirecting my obsessive tendencies. Cause I even realized that was, I was obsessive in my being a father. Like yeah. that was the thing that I did. This was my whole life was dedicated towards just giving this child the best scenario possible. That was bad in and of itself, too, because, I mean, in that obsession, I would isolate my son, and then he'd be shy, and it'd be just him and I, and yeah. it's like, oh, this is fucked. Yeah. So it's like, he has his own, like, because when he's gone, right, I'm not raising him for me. <laughs> I'm raising him, guiding him, and then letting him live in this life, embody it in whichever way he chooses, yeah. um, and he can be around me or not at the point of being an adult. Um, but it's... I don't have the right to say, no, these are all the things that you bring to my life in that without you, these would be gone. So I need you. You know what I mean? Like that oh, yeah. dependence. And, but if I were to look at like jujitsu or, you know, running or riding or any of those things and that obsession in a healthy way, right. Uh, or to a healthy degree is rewarded and it's penalized. Like if you are obsessive in running or obsessive in weightlifting, um, you might get overuse injuries. Okay, now here's the puzzle. Like, this is a positive puzzle, where it's like, overuse, that's not that bad compared to, you know, uh, overdosing, um, you know, being very, very sexually promiscuous, or going down that road of alcoholism. Like, let's start here. And then now you're figuring it out for all these goals and ambitions that make you happy or talking to people, being a good comedian, any of those things. Like there are are pursuits out there that, that will engage you in some of the most profound ways. And a lot of the things that have brought you to misery and torment, not suffering, because I think suffering is evident even in those, in everything that you do, but misery and torment. It's not, you don't need that. Like, you need to face it. You're going to face it. Whatever, yeah. whatever it manif- whatever way it rears its fucking head, right? Whatever your thing is. But you, you needn't wallow in it. No. There's so many things out there. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's, that's, that's why nothing really bothers me mm-hmm. anymore about, yeah, about being, just my exactly who I am, mm-hmm. because what, like, what's the worst that's gonna happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, if somebody, somebody doesn't like something I write. Who gives a shit? You know, when it comes down to it, it's like 
my happiness, the happiness I can give to others, and just the genuine drive to make someone laugh. Mm-hmm. It's my goal. It's like it's it's my daily goal to make at least one person smile or laugh. Mm-hmm. It's been that yeah. way for years, you mm-hmm. know. And it's just it is what it is. Mm-hmm. I'll write people on Facebook that I haven't talked to for like months, just randomly, like just weird stuff. Oh yeah, like just for a smile. Uh-huh. And like I'm awkward, I'm weird, mm-hmm. and like all that. And it's hard to it's hard to get through text. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I've been having fun with, like as a writer lately. Yeah, is trying to trying to speak so deep in like certain thoughts. Mm-hmm. To where, like, you understand that this is going to be confusing, but if a person, if a person were to be this kind of person, they mm-hmm. would understand what I'm saying. Yeah. And then, then if they're this kind of person, then they'll understand it this way. Mm-hmm. So learning how to start speaking in ways to kind of coax out of genuine somebody's default. Yeah. That's what I like. Like, one of the girls that I was just uh, talking to and trying to really boost her up, you know? Like, she broke down on me. Oh, wow. Like, she just, she just broke down. Like, mm-hmm. didn't start bawling, didn't start doing anything. She just shut down. And then it was just like this, you know, this, I'm not ready for this, and excuses and excuses. Mm-hmm. But, if, I mean, if you're, if you're in tune with somebody, you can kind of, you know when to push and when to, and mm-hmm. when to just do your thing. Cause mm-hmm. It's kind of... You know, it turned into like this. I mean, you hit them with that. You yeah. Hit them with that shock and awe, and you get them that. You get them to their default, and you figure then so you can figure out what they are. So I mean, you have to rile up those emotions, and mm-hmm. that's what's interesting. It's like I feel like, I feel like if people focused more on, on, on the effect of what they're trying to do, mm-hmm. and their ability to do it, versus just something that they feel is right, mm-hmm. then it, it, everything would be so much better simply because you're doing these things with a purpose uh, for success rather than just to make your emotions feel better. Yeah. And then, so it's just, you know, it's that kind of thing. It's like, I mean, we all want some sort of happiness besides the crazy people. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, let's be more strict on crazy people and start pursuing the happiness. Yeah, exactly. You know, because it's it, it's totally worth it. Mm-hmm. It's like, I mean, you can change, like, crazy lifestyles and just ways... I mean, the power a single person has just with a single mirror is incredible. Mm-hmm. All of, I mean, there's so much that can be changed just by what you tell yourself in the mirror. Yeah. And... Yeah, I, and, and as you force yourself, as it's uncomfortable to say nice things, it gets easier, it gets easier, and then it's, it hurts too bad not to do it. <laughs> yeah. It's the same thing. It's just everything. Like hypertrophy. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're training yourself to fix the things that you were trained mm-hmm. by an abusive person, manipulation, yourself. Yeah. Yourself is constantly it. Oh yeah. That's yeah. why that's why I, I cracked down on that girl. Mm-hmm. It's because she was she did it to herself. Yeah. And it, I mean she had plenty of excuses to horrible family environment mm-hmm. and just that kind of manipulation and you know people just really genuinely holding her down. But then it got to when you go through when you go through cer- certain struggles 
I mean, you create those uh, you create those coping mechanisms, mm-hmm. you know, to create to 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 avoid the abusive guy. You stand to the side when he says move, right? Mm-hmm. So then she to survive that little environment, she did this, and then, but at that point, you're doing it so long, you don't even realize that you're doing it. Mm-hmm. So it's like your survival mechanisms are keeping you from focusing on what's the mechanisms that are helping yourself evolve. That's the thing that I, I think is an interesting point, which is you could argue that, well, one day, you know, it's it's going to get easier and easier and there's going to be less and less things to worry about. And I would argue it's not that. It's like the safety, right? Um, the likelihood of having a good family life. Yeah. That has, I, I think that would be, has less of a bearing on outcome than, um, giving individual or coping skills, just like you were saying, as opposed to, uh, like that whole idea of, um, I think that Josh Wazakin would talk about, talked about it in his book, the art of learning. And it's like an Indian proverb. Um, the man, he sees a desert and it's covered with thorns, right? Um, he could build a road and drive across the road or walk the road. However, if the road can, it's fixed. It's not going to change, right? Um, It'll take you point A to point B. Or you can make sandals. With those sandals, you can go anywhere in there. Mm -hmm. Nothing stops you. Staying right. Internal resilience. And and, because, I mean, like, that's the thing that I had to talk with my son, which is strange because he's a six. It's like, yeah, there's, you're in, you are in less than ideal scenarios. Um, and I'm sorry that there's not, I can't do everything that I'd like to in there. Cause if I did, I'd be a tyrant, right? But I'm like, well, you can't be with your mother. Um, I mean, to some degrees, yeah, that, that, that is, a, if, there, if his life was in danger, yeah. but it's a crappy scenario. So who am I to be like, well, this scenario is wrong for you. So I will physically remove you from that experience. You never experience it. Yeah, good luck. Cause it's like almost like telling a kid what to do. Um, however, what I've realized is that I'm not here to keep, to teach him, um, safety. I'm here to teach him confidence or no, it's, I'm not here to protect him. I'm here to teach him confidence Yeah. because he's going to do dangerous things, being dangerous scenarios or be around people less than ideal people. And, or dude, like this isn't going to happen right at all. Uh, or maybe I'll do it this way. Um, many people have gotten, uh, sexually abused even though their family would never do that. Like, it was a great scenario, but something happened with the neighbor or some shit like that, right? Yeah. Out of their control. Shit's out of your control. So if you were to try to build this, like, insulated, safe environment, gated community, even if you think, that I still think that has no bearing on the human condition, which is how do you, like what you said before, which is how do you suffer unbearably, and how do you overcome that if that is to happen? If something perverse is to happen to you or you go down that dark path, how do we instill as role models, not as government, as tyranny, those principles? Because when you look at like a friend who's going through hell, right? that hell does have, did have some value at one point. Oh, yeah. And gives you very good coping skills if you can get through the other side. It does, and it's kind of a, there's certain lessons that everybody should know, mm-hmm. there's certain lessons that some people don't need to know, Yeah. 
and then there's certain lessons that people should take an effort into understanding. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to live through something. I mean, some a person forced to live a certain way is going to understand certain things faster than someone that doesn't have to be mm-hmm. put in that situation, right? Yeah. So maybe some people never go through that situation, so they never learn those those uh those thoughts, those yeah. mentalities, those things that drive them. So like I really I don't know. It's interesting to me because that's really just kind of what I focus on. It's just finding helping people understand. That's why I'm so blunt and open and honest about everything. No matter how graphic or weird it is. But it's like but teaching some of those lessons that maybe don't need to be lived through, mm-hmm. but that should be taught. Mm-hmm. Like the valuable tools and the valuable lessons that can teach you to think in certain ways that te- that create a better you. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, that's essentially what it should all really be about. Like we all, we, everybody gets into opinion into their own personal beliefs and all that kind of stuff, and it really doesn't matter mm-hmm. because it all comes down to balance. Balance is everything. Balance is key. Like we were talking about earlier about chaos and you know happiness. Mm-hmm. You know, you start you start letting that seven percent run wild and be loud. Mm-hmm. The scales change. If you start being lenient on horrible criminals, the scales change. Mm-hmm. You start letting people in, kicking people out, banning this drug letting this drug go, mm-hmm. start giving government power here, taking power here, balances change. Mm-hmm. And right now, the world's in so much, it's in the turmoil that it's in right now, it's because we're we're kind of handicapping one balance on mm-hmm. one side and kind of contributing to the other. Yeah. And a big, you know, so many questions are, is somebody purposely putting balance over here and purposely taking it from here? Mm-hmm. Or is there or what's contributing to this and what's contributing to that. It's like there's so much to figure out, mm-hmm. but everybody's sitting there arguing. Yeah. No, so actually, it's just like thing. teaching people to kind of think past their emotions and kind of seeing more big picture kind of things mm-hmm. is really kind of interesting. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, you start seeing, you start teaching people how to think big picture and what this one thing that they're, that they're screaming all about will do, the mm-hmm. cause and effect of something. So, I mean, we're, we're starting to develop these... Uh, societies and stuff or it's communities of young generations and continuing to get to grow you know the, that age group or mm-hmm. growing the lack of consequences right the lack of consequences uh, uh, because everything's you know anybody with a sob story can go out and break a law and get some sort of like sympathy from someone mm-hmm. so it's just but I mean we have to learn how to break things down to where no, you can't just do that. Mm-hmm, yeah. I mean, you can't just do this, say this, and that's that. Man, I got spankings. I'm thankful for every spanking I got. Mm-hmm. You know why? Because it was out of corrective punishment. Yeah. It's like, and it wasn't out of anger. It's like you spank your kid out of anger. That's abuse. If you do it because you know it's it's going to lead to his eventual downfall, then yeah, it's corrective. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what branding my face. It's exactly what cutting yourself when you got sad or happy or whatever was about. Mm-hmm. It's corrective punishment. Yeah. People that are living in those kind of drastic environments, you know, they need drastic things to spark that mind to mm-hmm. be able to 
withstand the rest of it. You yeah. know, that that lesson needs to stand out more than that sadness, more than that addiction, mm-hmm. more than that. So it's just, and that's why it was branded, not painted on my face too, because <laughs> I needed to last a long time. Yeah. Because those battles are internal. And that's why it doesn't matter if people look at you crazy. It doesn't matter if they look at you weird, because if it's true in your heart, then it's fine. Mm-hmm. It's good. Like, they don't know about that spiritual mm-hmm. battle. Yeah. You know? So it's like, I want, so basically, my life, mm-hmm. what makes me smile every single day, no matter how shitty the day is, no matter, no matter what, it's like nothing that comes now is going to be all that bad. Mm-hmm. And it's the fact that, like, the amount of the amount of good things that you can do in a certain amount of time is crazy, mm-hmm. and it's like a hundred years down the road, like everybody's just you know we, there's so much balance. It's like everybody you know you see one thing like you get that enjoy the moment you know kind mm-hmm. of thing. The little things and like yeah yeah totally agree that's awesome, but at the same time I'm pursuing for big things mm-hmm. at the same time and it's like and sacrifice. Sacrifice. People don't understand sacrifice anymore, it seems. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, I mean, people do it, of course. Everybody does. Like, But we're getting to where, to where that, just all these basic things that create the life you want or the happiness you want, the skills you want that create that require sacrifice or hard work or mm-hmm. consequences or lessons or some sometimes even suffering to learn those lessons mm-hmm. it's like those things aren't being appreciated anymore yeah and it's like maybe maybe people don't shine lights on them mm-hmm. that's kind of what cracks into where i'm at because mm-hmm. it's like we all have that awesome idea let's get rid of addiction let's get rid of this but it's like, okay, well, your idea is to create safe places for people to do drugs. Mm-hmm. It's like, that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. It's like, let's solve the problem, not give them a safe place to do their problem. Mm-hmm. You know, It's silly to me. Yeah, it's like, exactly. there's a way to do it. Mm-hmm. You can do it. Yeah. Just, and then, you know, it's stuff like this, that's why it's great. Mm-hmm. Stuff like podcasts. You know, you just get people that, that live through it. You don't, you know... It's like I had such a hard time with a uh, psychologist back growing up. Mm-hmm. It was so interesting to me because I always had to go and then I hated it. Like they were always trying to figure me out and like all that kind of stuff. And I didn't know how to talk. Mm-hmm. And then it's just like, and then down the road, once you figure yourself out and you kind of get an idea of who you are and you start building these tools and mechanisms, then it's like, then going to Rotary or going to see a doctor now. It's like the only person that understood me browning my face. Mm-hmm. My, like nobody would see me. My mom would never come visit. But my dad, he came by once and he saw me. He tried to understand. Mm-hmm. And, it, and he really did. And he, I think he did kind of. But the only person that truly understood that was my doctor. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting to me. Ooh. So And then it all made sense. And then it just kind of, yeah, maybe I'm onto something here, you know. Mm-hmm. And then, and then it's, uh, uh, you know, it just, it, you just have to learn all about yourself, essentially. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> I'm kind of losing myself right there with that doctor. No, you're fine. Uh, and I always think the, something that's always important, especially if you're lost, is, if you do the things that you are not accustomed to doing, yeah, you could probably ensure that you're on the right path. Yeah, you know, and it's it's all of that. Mm-hmm. It's all of that that 
I focus on to where, I mean, because there's got to be a way. Mm -hmm. There's got to be a way, in my opinion, to be able to just reveal these things. Not even, like, teach. Because essentially, like, more and more we're getting to this place to where people, everybody knows it all. Mm-hmm. Right? They all know it all because they read something or they did this or they saw something. But, the, you know, it, could, it comes down to where they can't explain it, that kind of thing. But then it's like, nowadays it seems you have to explain things to where, to where they're coming up with your thoughts on their own. Right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So I mean, that to me has been so much more effective than trying to just ramble. So it's either ramble and let people get what they want out of what you say, or else learn how. I mean, you almost—it's almost manipulation for good, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. essentially. It's people would tell me that, oh well, you give really good advice yeah. since I was younger, and the funny thing was, is in hindsight, I don't. Cause I don't give any advice. All I do is just reiterate exactly what you say to me. Yeah. And and I respond emotionally as it comes. Like, if it's yeah. something is appalling, oh, that's shocking. But maybe if it's like, you sound like you're really favoring this. Like, I'm not giving any advice. I'm just literally be, being a mirror for you. Mm-hmm. And, and that's in the same regard of what you're saying is, is, you know, showing these people that they already know it. And, I mean, that's what more of a guide is. Yeah. In that aspect, and then if you actually look in like uh, at psychologists and uh, philosophical thinkers, that is exactly where they're at as well. Because advice is pretentious in the sense that if you were operating in a scenario where like, hey, well, uh, I my life's a mess, right? And you're like, okay, listen here, you have to do these four specific things, like you know, black and white, like here you're prescriptive, right? Yeah. That's that's not that is more of a place of like superiority, right? Like I know how to resolve these things. Like I already know, don't even know what need what the person is. Right. Mm. But the other one, which is learning how to like exactly what you're describing is learning how to listen to someone, actually listen to what they're saying, inflections of their voice and being able to just reiterate that. It's one of the most common things to tell people. You need to learn to listen more. Mm Mm-hmm. It's like, I mean, we're all about our own opinions, and yeah, that's fantastic. But, I mean, the simple fact that you get so angry you don't listen to somebody makes you ignorant. Mm-hmm. And then if you're ignorant, I mean, you, if, so, I mean, that's kind of one of the words that I have fun tossing around because <laughs> it offends so many people. <laughs> it's like, because in my mind, it's like, if I call you ignorant, it's like, if you think this and I think this, basically the goal is to have the most effective version of whatever we're trying to do Mm -hmm. so then i mean by saying ignorant i know i'm going to rile people up but that gives you the opportunity to bring you into the point of just you need to listen Mm -hmm. right because i mean everybody has the same idea like people people argue nowadays but the arguing is just you're either instantly going to be praised or they're just going to walk off angry Mm -hmm. and it's none of that well, will you will you tell me why your version is better, or will you tell me why we couldn't do it this way, or if you want, I mean, some people want a border, some people don't want a border, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, I have fun explaining my thoughts about that, but it's uh, 
you know, it's hard to. It's one of those hard ones because as soon as you as soon as you say something, people take it certain ways, mm-hmm. and then it's like, but no, I mean, if you start breaking things down, if you really start, like, I mean, if I were to really put it in a nutshell, like we literally, like we literally have terrorists saying. We're going to infiltrate America mm-hmm. through Mexican border, and we're going to cause damage through it. Yeah. Okay? I mean, it's it's admitted. Mm-hmm. It's admitted that we have terrorist training camps on American soil. Mm-hmm. We know it. We know exactly where they are. But we don't do anything about it because PC culture and what we're not... Cong- or the Constitution protects them in certain ways, mm-hmm. and we can't decipher when to kind of bend and when to kind of say, okay, yeah, obviously we'll just let them do horrible mm-hmm. things yeah so i mean it's just kind of funky so i mean it comes down to it comes down to we're so politically correct mm-hmm. we can't put up a wall to protect ourselves from this like my my version of what people are trying to accomplish like i don't really see why okay so some people want to keep people out some people want to let everybody in some people want to build a wall some people don't mm-hmm. some people want vetting some people don't it's like what is so wrong when we know there's a threat coming mm-hmm. through a certain place to protect ourselves, but we don't even have to keep... I mean, what's so wrong about let or knowing who's coming into your front door? Yeah, exactly. I don't understand that. And it's kind of like this. If, if we're really trying to make their lives better, if we're doing this for them so to give them a better life, mm-hmm. why, are we, why do we have to waste all this stinking time arguing about whether we do or don't build a wall, just build the wall and create a program in the process of making it easier for people to come yeah, cause in. Yeah, because it's hard as hell, and all you have to do is just reduce the barrier to entry, um, but have a stringent vetting process. Yeah. It's just to make sure that they're not, yeah, like a defunct... I mean, that's it. Mm-hmm. I mean, how, how many people of color, whatever we're supposed to call people of different ethnicities nowadays, you know? Yeah. So, like, well, you shouldn't have to walk on eggshells. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't have to say that. It's like, you know, I understand we're all different, but we're all human, mm-hmm. right? And it's like we all have hearts. We're all beating. We're all this We're this crazy thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're all just kind of trying to figure it out. It's mm-hmm. like, but to sit there and just have all these silly arguments that just keep us from getting nowhere. And fighting, yeah. Yeah. It's. I mean, it's kind of like... It's kind of like the way I explain the whole border thing. It's like, if you're, if you're poor, you're not going to invite. I mean, if you can't support yourself or your family, if you're struggling to keep afloat yourself, you mm-hmm. don't, you don't throw a party. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah. I mean, I can understand why. I guess you might, or like why you know somebody. Whenever I use that before, like people say like, well, "Why not throw a potluck? Everybody contributes." Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, that makes sense. But it's like, at the same time, it's like I want to be able. to... I want to be able to support myself before I sit there and I start yeah. trying to welcome everybody, you know? Exactly. Cause, I mean, you can't really... Because one of the things... Because I, I used to hate money. I used to be so anti-money. When I quit drinking, I wanted to... Or, or when all that stuff was happening, when I was transitioning from Oregon breakups, alcohol, sex, I wanted to just build a hut in the woods. And that's... I just wanted to be a woodsman. Just live in the woods. of humanity. Just solitude, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And then, you know, I wanted to be off the grid. I never got credit cards, never did this, always anti-government, blah, 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 this. And then it's like, 
one of the biggest things about Rotary that has taught me is like as I started using Facebook, as I started growing, developing, honing in, building more skills on helping people and mm -hmm. growing myself, it's like you can do so much more on the bigger stage that you are. Mm -hmm. And that requires money. Mm -hmm. You know? So it's kind of like sacrifices to get yourself into greater places of doing greater good that's where it's really at yeah. because i mean so many like, i mean it's we live in this whole like we live in this whole thing where people have the right idea the right idea of love and just loving everybody and we need to be correct and say this we don't want to offend people but at the same time people need to understand that when everything is broken down when everything is broken down as human people surviving an unknown mm -hmm. so much unknown universe you know it's we really need, we can't really, we're forcing too much mm -hmm. and we're trying to, we're trying to stray away from uh, nature and what human nature actually is and what we actually, what we need to survive. We're mm -hmm. trying to force this kind of like created society, what this group over here thinks, the loudest group thinks mm -hmm. is appropriate or most efficient. And then as soon as you can actually prove, actually prove that it will you know somehow lead to something negative it's still it's still knocked aside because mm -hmm. it's not the popular vote it's self-interested yeah. and then it's like and then when you're when the, then when you have the ability from whatever experience you've lived in to point out what kind of thinking they're doing that's keeping them from where they're actually trying to get teaching people how to listen to that, you know, mm -hmm. or teaching people how to understand that. That's so fascinating to me because mm -hmm. everybody's different. Yeah. And it's like, and everybody's heard something from somewhere. They've said different things in the mirror to themselves. They've heard different things from their friends, their teachers, whatever mm -hmm. mentors they've had, blah, blah. They've all taught, been taught this stuff through good reasons, abuses, you know, all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. And it's like figuring that out. And like, you can't figure that out unless you talk to people. Yeah, and it's like people are so much keyboard and so much that, and like every. I mean, we're getting to this place like we can't even punish criminals because, you know, they have feelings too, and it's mm -hmm. like yeah, they do, but it, uh, consequences mm -hmm. they need to happen. I think that it's interesting in the sense that we're coming to this point right where everyone does have a voice. Um, yeah, like, exactly. And so, like, I could tweet. I could tweet to you know someone who's famous, or I can you know I I can gain all these followers and I don't have to be um I have that power it's accessible right yeah um what I think's also occurring is like as our communication increases so does our awareness of the variety of perspectives and I think that frightens people and there's yeah this thing that that I see and that I was talking about it earlier with like creating a safety and security right because you love something you want you see all these ethnicities um people from all these different kinds of uh different stratifications of class backgrounds right we're making you know you're poor you're rich um and i think we as a people society right at least western society for what i'm aware of anyways um it's the best interests of the individuals. Like, I don't want black people to have a hard time, you know, going to school. Um, I don't want 
you know, a, a Hispanic kid or whatever who is in some depraved country and wants to come over here, right? Like, I don't want them to have to go through that. Mm-hmm. Um, or the converse, which is, I don't want that person to come over here and threaten the the, the communities that I have. Like, yeah. it, it always in that best interest of, like, this idea that we hold out in front yeah. of us. And... But, however, I think it's maligned in that fact, like cultural appropriation, right? Like, uh, if you're not allowed to, to use things of another culture because you're uh, misappropriating it. Exactly. And it's like, I'm celebrating it. So, what you're, what you're doing in the face of love is now tyranny. It is one, it once was love. Quality mm-hmm. did come out. Like, there's some beautiful shit that happened. Um, however, tyranny now. Like, you, what you're doing in the name of love... Um, as a group of people or a group or a collection of ideas is now tyranny. And now you need to readdress your intentions. Cause you, so to say like, let's say we made all the sharp words illegal, right? My son can say whatever words he wants, uh, as long as he uses them in a way that is proper intent. Um, given the setting, I mean, if you're at a park, you obviously can't curse. That's, yeah. you're not allowed to put that on the fucking, the other kids. Uh, you're in school, can't curse, you're in their place, their rules, right? Um, and you need to have the resilience and the control to make those determinations. Yeah. Um, but, like, that's more love. Like, my son having a hard day, instead of me going to the school and saying, I can't believe this, whatever happened, and you guys need to be better on this and more on top of it, it's like, that's that that is me going to the school out of love for my child but the alternative and i would believe the more sustainable and the things that i've read and the people i've talked to is oh really now you know how to set boundaries that really doesn't feel good huh does it make you feel angry let's let's deal with this anger this is a teaching moment now yeah you're going to probably feel this sometime in the future it'll be worse maybe or it might not at all but this is in your hands like and uh, this is going to be hard for me because I'm white, I guess, and I'm a guy. But, like, um, no, it won't. Like a black kid, right? Black kid gets made fun of because he's, like, one of the few black kids. or the only black kid in school. Well, it's a teaching moment, right? You rise to the occasion. Mm-hmm. Don't pad the rooms. Rise to the fucking occasion. And not even the, the pull yourself up by the bootstrap mentality. I don't think that works in its entirety. There needs to be a foundation. And... I don't know what place that is because that's not the place of the government. I, I used to think schools should teach mindset, but then I thought about it. I'm like, ooh, that could be like brain. Well, that can go bad really quick. Um, mm-hmm. And just to counter that black thing, since I guess, yeah, in just case get shit on that, is that I know um, a few people who are really close to me, one in particular, and he grew up on an Indian reservation. He was white as fuck, and he got the shit kicked out of him. Yeah. And he was super oppressed. He was a minority, which normally would be a majority. Um, but in that scenario, tribalism incurred. No pun intended. Because um, tribalism, it, it exists everywhere where there's a majority and a minority, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, you, you oppress that. And that was what we were talking about, about this, you know, 7%, 10%, or 1% that has power. Like, the tendency is tribalism. And because um, they have a majority of the power, right? And being a majority race or majority gender in some circumstances can be a power thing. And that's not a problem, but it can be. Yeah. And when you encounter that, instead of like, 
okay, so you can sue the entire that 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 those children's parents for doing that, or you know this tribe school was to get shut down. No, I don't think that should. You don't think that there should be rigid, stringent guidelines. I don't even expect that for my son. I tell my son, son, life is potentially hell, and life is potentially bliss, mm-hmm. and you're gonna encounter hell. But you have the opportunity to make it better. And you can also situate yourself in a better position in life. You'll find, you can find yourself surrounded by depraved addicts, right? And hope the best for them, right? And you can be, you be a part of that. Or you can surround yourself with young entrepreneurs. Not that even one or the other is better, because they all have their own shit, right? Mm-hmm. But that's life. And I'm not, I cannot enforce that. And even my daughter would be the same thing. I could say that sometimes, you know, men will come up in the club and they just want to fuck. Be careful using your body always to get the things that you want. Yeah. And I, I can't say that men should now go to jail, right? And there's all these laws protect. I think that would make shit bad. It's oppressive. Rather, I'm going to have to teach you how to handle life. Exactly. That's what it's all about. It's mm-hmm. just getting everybody to be able to handle whatever situation they're in on their own. Mm-hmm. And everything would be fine. Yeah. It, or it'd be fine, or it'd be just a little bit better. Yeah. Mm. No. I mean, uh, yeah, things could go horribly. Yeah. Shoot, I mean, yeah. in all reality. Mm-hmm. I mean, but it's that it's that ability, it's that ability to handle situations. It's that confidence that you walk with, and that ability, and that, and maybe ability or maybe just that eagerness to learn mm-hmm. or, to, or to step up to a challenge. Yeah, to rise to yeah. the occasion. You know, and to feel, and to feel uh, not necessarily empowered, but just more valuable mm-hmm. to be able to handle these situations. You mm-hmm. know, like you have something to offer. I think that's a huge issue. Is people, you know, everybody's rewarded for not doing anything nowadays. And it's like there is no real... Reward, value. Yeah. value. So it's teach people how to find find the best you that you can be, mm-hmm. literally. And it's just that's the reward. Mm-hmm. It's just that constant pursuit and wonder of, wow, what mm-hmm. else can I do? Mm-hmm. And that's what intrigues me. It's mm-hmm. just holy smoke! I'm the only thirty year old guy covered in tattoos that owns a sewing machine. Yeah. You know, I like that. It's like I just like learn. I like the unquenchable thirst for knowledge mm-hmm. and just a passion to learn, with the idea that a hundred years down the road, people are gonna wonder who I am. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. just when I'm dead, they're gonna look at my art. Mm-hmm. They're gonna read my journals, and they're just gonna be like, "Wow, this is interesting." Yeah. And that just fascinates me. Mm-hmm. So it's like, that's just kind of how I live my life. Mm-hmm. Everything I think, everything I do, learning how to narrate a story for the future that will create a better one. Mm-hmm. That's how I live my life. Because at one point, at one point I was such a failure, I couldn't even kill myself. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, now it's just, so exciting learning how to teach people 
the happiness to get away from that, I guess. I don't mm-hmm. know. Like, it, that's kind of a weird thought that just mm-hmm. kind of popped up, but mm-hmm. it's just that. When I think of it, like, describing the happiness I feel mm-hmm. after such darkness is just, that's, I love words, and I love <laughs> exercising them and trying to figure out, trial and error, talking to people. I've never figured out how to explain it. Mm-hmm. It's just something. It's just something. I mean, it's just something that you can. You feel like you can just handle anything. Mm-hmm. And then if I die in the process, I die in the process. <laughs> it's I like it that. because. Shoot, man. It's like when you're at that point to where. To where you're just done, and you just want it all to end, but then for some reason you don't. <laughs> It's like, oh my gosh. And I, so expressing beauty of life, expressing your potential, expressing everything, it's a fascination for me because, shoot, it's like if, if people didn't go through this stuff, they wouldn't understand mm-hmm. if they didn't have people telling them about it. Mm-hmm. They just wouldn't. You mm-hmm. get those businessmen, you get those people caught up in life, you get those people this and that. It's like, yeah, my boss is yelling at me. Yeah, my car broke down. Yeah, this happened. Yeah, broke my leg. Any kind of thing you see people whining about on Facebook or like social media, just on the news or whatever, it's like, you're fine. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's like one day, you know, one day you know, I was ready to die. And then today, it's like just the breath in the morning. It's just like... Oh my God, what do you want to do today? (laughs) You know? Mm -hmm. Who are we going to make smile today? I wonder if I carve this, if it will brighten her day. I wonder if I send him this, it will just make his whole world, you know. Give people the most, some of the most like amazing things that I've ever done were just little paragraphs, that paragraphs written, handwritten on little notes that I just slipped to people. Mm. And they just... Ten years later, they're in their pot, or they're in their purse, or like in their closet, or like it's their thing, it's mm-hmm. their rock, you know. Those yeah. Things that just like bring people down to a level of, you know, humility and just human, being human, mm-hmm. and just oh, you know, maybe I, I guess I do kind of feel this energy of you know what it feels like to share amazing things. Yeah. So like we figure out ways to kind of teach people that and to get away from like whatever this society, whatever this kind of system of this is how a fluid country works kind of sets you in. Mm-hmm. You get out of that for a little bit and you just start thinking about. No, I'm not even going to say about. Mm-hmm. If you just start thinking, then, you know, your whole world will just, will just start to just kind of open up. Mm. I like that. It's wild. And I, that's where I find the most, I don't know, um, fascination is within thought and cognitive reframing. Just looking at these scenarios differently because where once I felt a very hollow emptiness, I then felt a very rich fulfillment. Mm-hmm. And it's I look back on it now and it's like as I go along, my life is only getting more and more fulfilling and more fascinating and curious and like my curiosity expounded and it's like god this is so much fun yeah and where i would look in hindsight and it was just 
titillating on the edge of life and death and wondering what is my worth how much time do I have left and could this really be all that there is yeah and to not have that and to have such a rich beautiful evolving experience it's fresh it is <laughs> it is and I want to be respectful of your time Nolan. so do you have any closing thoughts or anything like that brother uh you know, I guess this was a. This was just a blast. Man. Yeah, this was fun. It's man. like my first little, first time anybody has just said, "Okay, go ahead and ramble." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, you can find us at becominghumanpodcast.com dot com, where you can check out Nolan's art. Uh, he does some really beautiful uh, wood carving, and it's rather impressive. If you'd like to support the podcast please rate review on itunes google play stitcher wherever you happen to listen to it uh, and share it with a friend if you'd like to pick up a cap you can go to becominghumanpodcast.com and you'll find it there got some more merch coming out soon well enjoy your guys' week until next time Creep to get by, but reach for stars. Sleep in our houses, but live at the bar. Hate the pain, but love the scars. Oh, this life is hard, but this life is ours. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Feels like every day I'm just feeding the fire. Yes, I'm all out of answers, I'm just not sure. I wish you the best, but I cannot help you anymore. And I've come to realize I'm just as lost as you with nowhere left to run. And I don't want to be afraid no more, so I'm leaving all my baggage right here on your front door. Can I come in? I'll only sip my cup. Anticipate the chaos while I watch the whole room erupt And I tell you in all honesty With friends like these who needs enemies Oh brother please Well you humor me I just want to enjoy your company one last time Cause you know We'll never be here again when that clock strikes midnight, this will all be over And a brand new day is bound to begin Ain't it strange what we've come to be Selfish sons of destiny Come tomorrow, I do believe My own two feet are gonna be the death of me Cause I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired Feels like every day I'm just feeding the fire, yes I'm Feels like every day I'm just feeding the fire, yes I'm